Skin that smoke wagon and see what happens. How's that for a slice of fried gold? Oh, I'm sorry. I, I didn't know how this machine worked. It seems to run on some form of electricity. And it was wrong. It was a bad call, Ripley. It was a bad call. Bad call. Some are good for fighting, others for dying. It's just two movies. And welcome back to another episode of It's Just Two Movies. I'll be your host like every single time that you ever tune into this show. It'll always be me every time. I'll, I'll always be here for you. However, Birdman will not. Uh, today, I'm afraid to report that he is literally lost in a hedge maze in West Virginia. Uh, he ventured out there alone into a hedge maze. I'm not sure what for. Uh, he did call me a couple hours ago to ask for help. Um, I told him I had to record a show tonight. So he's not going to be here. If you tune in next week, you'll see if he was able to make it out of the hedge maze. Or if he was, like, butt-fucked to death by a minotaur or whatever happens inside of those things. Uh, with me today instead is my good friend Doug Wicker, who is also a filmmaker, uh, aspiring writer. Is that also fair to say? You, you do your fair share of writing? Yeah, I write a lot. Okay. <laughs> uh, fantastic photographer. Uh, I'll let Doug pick two movies, as is customary on the show. So if you're not familiar with what we do, we take a look at two movies. In the title, that part's evident. Uh, what's not evident is the fact that one of the movies, at least one of us perceives as a good film before we even start. And the other movie by all, by all accounts, uh, just given it a general Google is, a, is not very good. Today we're going to be watching The Devil's Backbone is the movie that we watched in preparation for this. A little info up top here. This is a November 2001 release directed by Mr. Guillermo del Toro. Uh, this is on a budget of 4.5 million, made about $2 million in the box office. Stars, um, okay, a lot of these names I can pronounce just fine. Some of them I'm going to have a little difficulty with. I've got uh, Fernando Tielve as Carlos, who's going to be our protagonist. I've got Federico Lupe, or Lupe, probably Federico Lupe, as uh, Dr. Casares? Casares? Close enough. Something like that? What? What is it? You know, it I'm not actually sure, because... <laughs> okay. Uh, I tell you, I took two years of Spanish in high school. Can't tell. And I learned more. Thank you. <laughs> I learned more Spanish uh, working at a place with a guy who was learning Spanish to have sex with a Spanish girl that he knew that did not speak very much English at all. That's a noble. <laughs> and it purpose. worked because he submersed himself in it. If you had to go ask him a question, he'd be like, oh, no hablo español, no, no hablo inglés. And you would have to go back to your computer, get on fucking Babblefish, this is, if that dates it at yeah, all, yeah, it and figure out how to ask him in Espanol, uh, whatever the question was. Anyway, uh, you've also got uh, Eduardo Noriega, yeah, as Jacinto, uh, Maria Paredes as Carmen, Irene Vicedo as Conchita, Inigio Garcias as Jaime, and Junio Valverde as Santi. So now that we've gotten that big uh, that big cast out of the way, thanks for recommending this, man. You knew out of the gate that I'm a big fan of Guillermo del Toro. I did. Although I've not, he's made plenty of stuff I've never seen. I've liked everything that I have seen that he's ever made. So that being said, I'm always excited to watch a piece of his work, uh, which, you know, this podcast gives me a great avenue to do. I'm going to give this movie a solid eight thumbs. I thought it was great. Guillermo del Toro has a way of making... A girl sitting in the corner of a room brushing her hair, tense. Like he can make that a tense thing. And it, like the most arbitrary things like clipping your fucking fingernails, giving yourself a shave. He just makes it like uncomfortable to watch on screen because there's this weird rhythm to uh, it. This weird like rhythm and tension to it. 
Yeah. Uh, Guillermo del Toro, if you haven't seen uh, Pan's Labyrinth, is my favorite piece of Guillermo del Toro's work. Uh, I, I have a 10-year-old, so we watched uh, The Book of Life, yep. uh, also a Guillermo del Toro joint. Uh, it, was, it was great. I, I liked it a lot. I thought it was a whole lot of fun, which is weird because up to that point, I hadn't seen him do anything kind of uh, – I don't want to say shtick. That's not the right word. Um, he produces uh, a lot. That lighter. Was a, that you was know a, I, yeah. He, it, was, it was a little lighter. He's got a lot of kid stuff. You'd actually, if you go look at his producing credit, you would see like weird stuff like Megamind. That he was like, really? A, yeah, he was like a consulting producer on. So he kind of, <laughs> he uses his name a lot to help people get stuff made. He tends to also get credit for it. Kind of like Tim Burton did with uh, Nightmare Before Christmas. Yeah. Where it's like not really his thing, but his hands on it. Yeah, so this whole flick is um, all, in, all in subtitles. It's all in Espanol, uh, which I am fine with. I have watched plenty of things uh, in Spanish or in, in other languages. Uh, we, we were just talking um, about our favorite movies from last year. As Parasite was one of mine. Uh, oh, man, Jojo yeah. Rabbit and Parasite were like my two favorite movies in 2019. But uh, know that if you do decide to watch the film, it is all in subtitles. It was a breezy, fun, uh, like tense. It's, it's listed as a horror drama. And I couldn't agree more. It's just, it's right on the head. It is dramatic. It is tense. It is a little chilling. It being a 2001 release, it is a bit dated. However, the special effects that they use for the character Santi, who is like a ghost. God, he, he fucking looks amazing. Absolutely. Yeah. He looks, he looks amazing for 2001. Like it looks really, really good. And, and especially, uh, you know, Mexican production teams and visual effects artists who at that time really didn't have as much experience right. as they would now. It, and it was for the visual effects. It was up for a couple of awards. Um, I didn't write them down, but I did, you know, make note of that, that it, it got nominated for several things, whether it won or not. Nah, if I can, I don't know. Yeah. I've given this, uh, given this movie a firm eight thumbs up. Never seen it before. I thought it was great. Uh, as to anyone who's uninitiated, who's looking for a good horror drama, what do you give it? Oh, if I had to give it a rating, I would agree. It's probably, it's definitely an eight out of 10 for me. It's actually a movie that I hadn't seen. I had to actually go look for it. Uh, I'd only seen it a few years ago, maybe like eight years ago or so. And it was, okay. you know, it was after Pan's you- Labyrinth. I wanted to watch it, man. So I blind bought it. That's and awesome. Because <laughs> I mean, awesome. like Guillermo hasn't let me down yet. And this movie is considered one of his like great ones. Yeah, I'm I'm going to stand by that and uh, put my foot down and say, yeah, it's a, it's a shame that it only made like $2 million. Yeah. It's a subtitle thing. It, it's And yeah. that's a subtitle. I think that's like your, Amer- your average American consumer. Uh, but yeah, no, w- watch this movie, buy it, rent it, uh, you know, please, because it's, it's fantastic. Uh, if you're curious what it's about... Uh, there's a little boy that gets injured, uh, presumably in a bombing at the beginning, uh, and then he's tied up and dumped into like a well or a pool or something like that. Somebody of water. Uh, there's a cool little talk down bit about ghosts in the intro, uh, which turns out to be Federico Lupe as uh, Dr. Cesares. It's going to be my best guess. Uh, C-A-S-A-R-E-S. Uh, anyway, the, I will refer to him as the doctor. So anyway, the it turns out that your narrator is the doctor. Big, big shaker. But uh, it's it's got a Del Toro charm right out of the gate. Uh, there's it's got his like kind of brand like in the opening credits they do that weird where it shows the devil's backbone which they used mm-hmm. to call like a spinal deformity. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it's just really well shot. The whole thing's great. I'll touch on it a little bit later. Essentially, what happens here is uh, the little boy Carlos, again played by uh, Fernando Tielve, his dad's dead. He's got like a care t- caretaker or a tutor looking after him. And he can't take care of him, so he's like, I'm going to take him to this school for, like, wayward boys or, you know, wh- whatever it is. Uh, it's on the middle of BFE in Mexico. He drops him off. The kid makes a couple new friends. So he takes off and leaves him. Um, the kid, uh, Carlos, immediately starts to see, you know, like, ghosty, ghosty, spooky stuff. Uh, which, again, just to reiterate, looks fucking amazing in this movie. 
after this, you get introduced to a couple of the other people in the cast. Uh, you get to meet uh, the doctor. You get to meet uh, Carmen, who's like the, the headmistress teacher lady. Uh, you get to meet Jacinto, who seems like he's like a groundskeeper or like a handyman. I'm not 100% on what his role is besides being a general shit disturber and douchebag. But but he is there. And his girlfriend, Conchita, again played by the lovely Irene Vicedo. Uh, you've also got a couple of the kids that are worth mentioning. Uh, Santi, he's the, the little boy in the opening credit scene that, that looks like he... Got murdered. You don't. You don't know. There's bombs yeah, dropping on a city. Serious head trauma. He's happening. dead. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, he's got big head trauma. And uh, Jaime, uh, played by Ingo hmm, Garces. I'm sorry, Ingo Garces. Maybe. What's that? So I'm sorry, I did this to you. <laughs> yeah. No. No. It's okay. I actually don't mind uh, because the other movie is Italian, and I it's would rather English. I would rather pronounce. 15 of these then try to get away with his first name again but uh, I'll, I'll i'll do it i'll figure it out it's just it's not pronounced like it looks yeah at all. and he's got a pseudonym he used for the movie so if you've looked it up and you saw the italian name there's actually the american i didn't version is it just like george it's like michael paradise or yeah, something okay yeah, yeah it sounds and well, other than like key members of that crew just, um they're well, all americans that yeah, were, were in the movie uh, right just real yeah. whitewashed yeah uh so you get this little boy he's staying there um uh, normally we take a little more time to go through the plot with you. I want you to watch this movie. What the film is about, there's a little boy. He gets dropped off at a boy's home. He sees a ghost. He makes two friends. He meets the the like the village bully or whatever, uh, which is another kid, uh, Jaime, played by Ingo Garces. I'm going to say that's close enough. Sounds good. Yeah. He meets the bully. You know, they do what kids do, kind of picks on each other. Uh, there's a happenstance with a ghost. He's the only one who sees it. The bully's like, you won't fucking, you won't, you won't, bitch. And he's like, yeah, you won't, bitch. And there's like a really interesting thing where like some of the younger kids absolutely believe that Santi's a ghost or Santi's a ghost and he's there. And the older kids trying to be tough or trying to deny that he's there. But but there's like this unspoken thing where all the kids kind of, they all know, they know, they know, they 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 hear him moaning around and creeping around, but you know, the tough kids don't want to let that out. They don't want to, they don't want to show that. Yeah. They're they're trying to big brother the, Mm -hmm. the the other little kids. It it is really sweet. It's a great portrayal. This is good directorial work. This is really good casting. Uh, You, you got these, all these kids in here and they're, they're all phenomenal. There's not one that's like, well, that's kind of half ass, isn't it? Maybe do another take on that one. No, they're all they're all great, uh, just outstanding. So you got these kids being kids. There's a ghost. Other things that happen in the film. Uh, Carmen, played by Marissa Paredes, uh, Carmen. So she's like the the headmaster. Uh, anyway, she's having an affair with uh, Jacinto, who's like just a general bad dude. So but you don't know that right away. You don't know that right you away. I know he's a dick. He's got a villainous. Yeah, he's uh, got air a dick. And there's a darkness to him, but yeah. he's definitely. It's not right up front. It takes a little bit to kind of realize he's got some other shit going. Yeah, it on. does. You think maybe he's just having a bad day? Yeah, you think that might be the case. Uh, when yeah. you, when a you little get bit of resentment him. towards the authority figures. Yeah, yeah. yeah he he hates it there. Mm-hmm. He hates it there. He's not happy. Um, but he does know that Carmen, who is the like the headmistress of the house, uh, that she has access to a safe that he has discovered in the kitchen area. Where he thinks there's a, a lot of gold or money or, or what have you in there, and he's right. They they put the new kid in Santi's old bed, and Santi's the kid that you know you see over in the opening credits getting killed or you know he's dead. Somebody ties him up and they drop him in the drink. Uh, so the kid starts seeing shit first night. Um, all the kids they kind of dare him to. Essentially, the dare is, hey, you're gonna go down to the kitchen in the middle of the night, get water. If, hey, I, if I remember right, yeah, yeah. right. They're going to get some water. 
So him and the bully, who he calls out, which I thought was fantastic. Yeah. Like, fucking, I guess maybe you're a bitch, huh? You, you, you're the bitch. I'm not a bitch. It was, it was great. It was good, good kid stuff. So they both go down there. They're getting the water. The, the bully gets his water first. He's like, fucking see you back up top, bitch. He totally sketches on him. Rolls out. He rolls out because he's scared as fuck. Little yeah, pussy. yeah. And uh, the your, your, your protagonist here, Carlos, he sees the ghost and he's going downstairs and he sees this like body of water. I'm assuming that that's a cistern. It's never a hundred percent clear. Yeah, it just fills up super with rainwater. Yeah, I think it's some kind of runoff. Yeah, it's pretty gross. So y- you find out, kind of in a manner of speaking, that because the headmistress gave the kid. Now, see, this is something I thought from the beginning, and I actually turned out to be wrong. The headmistress, while she's looking at her keys, she's like looking at him very carefully when she's hooking him up with the bed from the dead kid. And she's checking out her keys, and they make kind of a deal out of it with the cinematography. Which, by the way, is gorgeous in this throughout. The fucking color palette, the warm and cool contrast, it just looks fucking amazing. So she's being very selective about the keys, and she finally hands him a key and goes, this is for your uh, your locker or whatever. So presumably it was Santi's old locker, and then you see the safe, and Jacinto's trying to open the safe with the key, and it won't fucking turn. And that's when Carlos is coming out of the basement because he's scared of the ghost or whatever. You know that Jacinto is trying to get into the safe. You know that uh, all the kids know that there's a ghost and they all think that it's Santi. Uh, and you know for sure that Carlos knows Jacinto is trying to get into the safe. You, you know these things without question. So in the following scene. Oh, and also uh, Ghost Boy. I mean, I know I've said it multiple times, but the first time you get like a real good, like kind of close up look at the like ghost kid. He looks fucking great. Yeah, absolutely. He looks great. I don't know if that's like a practical effect that's overlaid over something else. It's a beautiful design. I mean, that's, I think that's what Del Toro does super well is like his creature designs are always exceptional. And Santi, I feel like one of the first ones, I think he had a lot of, uh, he hit that like tragic, sad note with yeah. that he does so well later on. That's also a little disturbing. Like he still has the wound yeah, that's still bleeding all the yeah. time. And I you notice, you notice like the hole in his head. It's like yeah, it's it's bleeding, but it's also it's water coming out of his head. Yeah, right, it's like floating, like because he's still underwater. He's still and exactly, you know, and he's gaunch looking, like he's drowned. Yeah, and uh, but there's pale, like the, little waterlogged looking. Yes, you know? and there's like this total sadness in his eyes the whole time. You even see like the little particles like kind of floating off of him mm-hmm. as things like yeah. as things tend to do suspended in so water. So if I remember right, they did that. It was like a practical like special effects build on his head, and then they just added like CG kind of like the water and like some of the effects and this stuff. Fucking looks so good. But perfect combination. Yeah, it, it's it's great, man. So the the kids uh, eventually get caught. Uh, Carlos gets caught by Jacinto, who's our our kind of our baddie. And tells the, the, the doctor and the doctor tells him the next day at breakfast. He's like, Hey, who's in on this with you? You little, little, little shit. Uh, he doesn't say, so he uses, you know, some mind games on him. Anyway, he kind of figures out who his accomplices are, but he never rats out the bully, which is extremely important. So they, they all get extra chores for it, which seemed like all the kids got extra chores anyway. So it didn't seem like they really got punished at all. Yeah. Like, man. I think carry- some got shittier jobs than others. Ca- yeah, time. man. Carrying this Jesus on a crucifix is, yeah. sucks real bad. Uh, <laughs> they're like, wow, he's really heavy for a dead guy. Uh, they make a couple of little wisecracks about it. But uh, like all the kids are also doing work. Uh, that it was a little like, I guess that's the worst job. I would be like, go scrub the shitter. Yeah, I mean, it's like, it's very much a hot movie. It feels hot, but it doesn't, Yeah, like that so moment doesn't probably, feel as hot as it probably should. Right. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Like, they should just be sweating their asses off yeah. doing that part. 
Um, anyway, uh, it's still real good. The kids are having some fun banter together. The bully tries to razz on Carlos again. He's like, man, fucking just knock it off, bro. And I ain't like that dog. So eventually they become friends. In the following introductory, like um, after the doctor scolds the kids, you get a scene with the doctor and Carmen. And man, fucking he is sweet. I know. He's just a sweet, clever old man. He's yeah. a real artsy. He's nicely dressed. He loves totally fucking, romantic. He loves poetry. He's a big romantic, uh, and he just uh, right. he's very articulate. Is it the scene where she's in bed and woke up, and he's in the next room? They share a wall, and he's singing like he's saying yeah. like reciting a poem to yeah, her. Yeah, he's like giving her a prose as he's getting ready in the morning. Oh yeah, and she's listening to it. So he does this every morning. You can tell. Yeah, and they're totally in love with each other. But there's For, a catch, right? And the catch is that she's fucking Jacinto. Or Jacinto is fucking her. Uh, she also has a prosthetic leg, which is neither her nor... By the way, as far as prosthetic legs go, pretty fucking good looking so, prosthetic yep, leg. 2001. It's, yep. It is... Uh, it's like like a combination of, uh, I assume, maybe like aluminums and wood. Yep. And like a little gold trim on it. Like, it's, mm-hmm. it's a fucking beautiful prosthetic leg. Really well done. Probably not very practical. Oh, but, no, uh, you, could, you couldn't use that in real life. Yeah. <laughs> in a movie, yeah. Right. Not, not through, the, through the dialogue exchanges, you come to find out that uh, Carmen, this, like, headmistress lady, she's a little bit older. She's probably, like, in her 50s. Uh, 50s or 60s, maybe. Just good looking, well brought up. She talks shit on her husband, like, oh, he went to go die for his ideas and left me here to defend him. Don't praise him. Praise me. She's like, I'm not scared of shit. Yeah, I feel like it's probably an important time to also say that it's against the background of, like, the Spanish Civil War during this time. Yes. So, you know, there's a bomb dropped at the very opening of the scene during a raid. That's what Danny was talking about earlier. When yeah. the when the bomb lands, it does not go off. But there's all this noise happening around the time that Santi's, you know, presumably murdered. Right. This, uh, it, this backdrop for the adults plays a factor in why there's so many orphans and why there's so many people sent off to war and like all these people looking for gold. Yeah. And exactly what you're saying here, where it's like at the same time, there's this, her husband goes off to fight against, um, for the Marxists. Yeah, exactly. Wait, and against. She, and <laughs> she's, she's left there to, to kind of watch all these kids. Her, the doctor, two of the help, and like, 18 kids? Yeah, 18, 20 kids. Yeah. I, man, there would not be a dirty spot in that house. But like, guess what we do on Tuesdays and Thursdays, everybody? Mm-hmm. Scrub the whole fucking house, I guess? I don't. Anyway, just uh, really well put. That's kind of like the backdrop for the story. The The old man, he takes uh, he takes Carlos into his room, and he's like, you know, he's, he's charming, and he's clever. He's all over the place. He's got these, like, jars with fetuses in it. And this is where you get a little bit about the devil's backbone. It was like a birth defect a spinal birth defect. One of these, um, you know, fetuses or, or, or freshly born babies or you know, whatever the fuck you want to call it. Uh, they're suspended in liquid in a kind of like a golden amber colored liquid, which by the way, I thought was also very nice that that liquid in the jars for the babies matches the color of the liquid in the end scene where the, 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 the color palette in this thing is just very phenomenal. consistent, it, really it's rich. So good. There's yeah. so many little, 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 you know, a little wink and a nod, if you will. But anyway, he's he's telling this kid, Carlos, he's like, Oh he's like, Oh, who are those? Oh, what are they what are they in? He's like, Oh, it's a liquid. He calls it a um agua de limbo. And uh, just to preserve fetuses and shit, and he's telling him about the devil's backbone uh kind of deformity and stuff. And he tells him that it's uh it's like rums and, and clove and spices. That's the liquid, it's just it's booze. And he's getting a ladle out. And he pours some into a shot glass. He's like, oh, yeah, it can cure fucking blindness and deafness. And some people say impotence. Yes. And he's like, you you know, if you're going to believe you saw a ghost, you might as well go ahead and drink this, right? And he's like, no, I don't fucking want nothing. No, that's nasty, boy. 
all right, get the hell out of here, kid. And then he stares longingly off into space and then drinks it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it still grosses me out so yeah. bad. Because <laughs> you just watched You know it's this. all props. It's yeah, probably yeah, just fucking sure, you know, like you know, apple juice. In the and moment, water. you're still like, that was uh, fetus liquid. Yeah. <laughs> it's probably like apple juice and water. But it's, but it's that's the background that you know we were talking about earlier. Is like the doc, clearly he has boner problems. Oh, yeah. And that's why he can't pursue his romantic relationship. And that's why the incapable. lady is banging Jacinto. And she would much rather be hooking up with doc, but it's, it's just not yeah. playing out. It's not yeah. happening. Just give so her. Give he's going to keep drinking baby fetus juice. Give, give the old finger blast. Did they not do? They didn't do like orals at because they're probably Roman Catholic. Maybe orals. Are yeah, yeah. Clearly for procreational reasons only. I don't know. That's a shame. That's a shame. I don't know. How do you do? You know how to say that's a shame in Espanol? I don't. I wish I could. Me neither. Email me at it's just two movies at gmail dot com. You like that little shoehorn in that? That was excellent. Uh, tr- try to do it every episode. Doesn't always happen. The old man's definitely impotent. That's why she's banging the younger guy, Jacinto. And Jacinto is slowly stealing her keys. When he goes in the room and he's giving her the old in, out, in, mm-hmm. out, he's done. He's like, oh, fuck, it's so sweaty. And makes She's just a little more tired than him. She's a little bit yeah. up there. Well, she also has a prosthetic leg that she yes. doesn't have on. During... She's a cougar and he's just a cub. She is a cougar, but she's a good looking older lady. She is. She's absolutely. A, she's yeah. still, still got it going and on. Jacinto's like, you know, I still got some energy in me. I got a girlfriend still. I got a, yeah. And he'll pull in double duty. Yeah. So he just goes over there where she can't kind of see him and he, he steals one of her keys and then replaces the other one. And I think in retrospect, that opening scene where I'm like, she's looking at her keys and they kind of make a deal out of it and she's making facial expressions. I think she's realizing that she is short one key. Mm-hmm. And that's what that scene is. Not that they gave that key to Carlos. Yeah. But that's a red herring. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It eventually comes to light that the the bully is the one who knows like where Santi is. He knows how he how he got killed and all this other stuff. And who, you know, put him in the cistern. Are we jumping to because he saw it happen? No. No, no, because Carlos gets into his locker and is like looking through his sketchbook because they're buddies now. Mm -hmm. And he's like, he's like, oh, man, your drawings are real good. He's like, don't even fucking worry about my drawings. They don't mean shit. Yeah. I'm going to be a comic book artist and you're not going to write them. Uh, Right. Yeah. And it's it's definitely him drawing, like him dealing with him seeing his friend get killed. Can we talk real briefly about his amazing nude woman drawing? (laughs) Yeah. He's like, I'll trade you. Trigid, three marbles for this picture of a naked woman. With a sideways vagina. It's really well done. (laughs) And the vagina is like the same. It's the same as her mouth. It's just between her legs. (laughs) Half of the kids are really impressed by this because clearly they've never seen a nude woman. One kid calls him out on it. He's like, (laughs) the vagina's the wrong way. And he's just like, shut up. Flip it in the 90s. He's like, you don't fucking know what it looks like. Uh, God, it's it's really funny. It just... The the whole bit with all the kids is fucking perfect. It's like a, the war. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's just really, really well characterized and shot. It doesn't feel, you know, towards the end, it kind of feels a little Lord of the Fliesy, but. Mm-hmm. Which could only mean child murder. Right. Carlos and Jaime, who the bully kid, uh, they're, they're thick as thieves. And uh, Jaime also has a thing for the groundskeeper's old lady, which is uh, Conchita, again, played by Irene Vicedo. We get a little better look at he like gives her a little gift that he finds. It's just like a cigar wrapper, but it's shiny. Mm-hmm. He gives it to her and puts her on her like a ring. And she gives him a little peck on the cheek. And he's like, fucking love that girl. I'm going to marry you one day. Yep. It's exactly. When I you, grow up and you're 45. You hear the music swell in the background. Little ditty. About Jack and die. Sucking on jelly dogs. Yeah. You, you don't get that. You, you could though. It would, But it wouldn't be a horror <laughs> drama if you did. 
So we eventually get a better look at Santi. Carlos goes back down into the cistern. He's like, fucking talk to me, bro. I'm not scared of you, dog. It's all good, man. Just come out and tell me what, what's going on. What's shaking? What, what's mad with you? It just, God, it looks so fucking good. And then there's a bit where Carlos is running out. He's running through a long corridor and uh, Santi is right behind him. And they do like a, it's like a long pan shot of Santi because everything else you've seen is relatively close up and it all looks great. This one, you're probably like 40, 50 feet away and it, that the veil that made it look so good up close, it's a little harder to see through at that distance. And it's got a, I don't know. There was something a little jarring about watching that part where I was like, is this the same that this is the same like production value or just maybe this one scene had some major issues with it. Sometimes uh, that's the case. I think of like a closer up or like a, um, like a close up on him and then do a slow, like kind of uh, Kubrick 180. You know what I mean? To show where he's going rather than looking at him coming into. Uh, I, I don't know. The, the, the advantage on it was weird or something. I, it was something that I did note. It's very minor. Didn't take away from the film at all, but it, something I wrote down because, you know. It knocked one hundredth of a point off. It, well, you don't normally sit there and take notes on a fucking, <laughs> on a computer while you're watching a movie. Yeah, yeah. I don't anyway. I just watch them and like have a beer and be like, whoa, fuck shit's crazy, man. Especially in like a first viewing on something like this. The subtitles kind of keep you yeah, hostage. Yeah. Or- I, I'm a fairly decent typist, I'll have you know. Didn't hinder me too much. There were a couple of lines that I missed. So Dr. Old Guy is frantically pretending, like with the school marm lady, like, hey, we got to go. It's time to roll out. They're murdering motherfuckers in the street. We we got to go. You and me, we got to pack our shit. We got to get the hell out of Dodge. Uh, because previously he witnessed, they kind of infer that it's like a friend of his or an associate of his without telling you or giving you any backstory about it. Maybe they talk about him previously in the movie. And I just... I didn't catch that, which is totally possible, but, but there may be something else there where the, where I'm supposed to know who this guy is, but the guy gets killed. The doctor's very shook up about it and he wants to take Carmen and get the hell out. So she reluctantly agrees and goes, we're going to bring the kids as many of them as we can. We got to get gas. We got to get the gold out of the safe. So this whole time, Jacinto, him being like, well, there's something in there. I need it so we can get the hell out of here. I'll burn this fucking place to the ground. He's right. There is there are several gold bars in there, gold ingots uh, that they can't use because of civil unrest. But if you're able to get the, you know, far enough out of town, I don't see why not. Especially if you're thinking like a bandit. Precisely. Yeah, exactly. And did we talk about Jacinto's got these real sketch looking friends that he likes to chill with? We got yeah, he that? does. A uh, dude named Pig <laughs> and whatever the other dude's name is. I want you to imagine someone named Pig. You're right. They casted him exactly like that. That's exactly <laughs> like that. He looks a lot like me, but why I don't wear wife beaters because I'm like, I'm really hairy, like my sh- chest and shoulders and back. <clears throat> he looks uh, like if Danny and King Kong had a baby that went to the circus. That wore wife beaters. And, and wore wife beaters that were stained. Strictly spoke Spanish. Okay. So d- Dr. Guy is frantically telling, uh, you know, Carmen, hey, we got to get the fuck out of here. She reluctantly agrees. She says, we're going to take a bunch of the kids. I got to get the gold. We'll start getting shit ready. Come on, we'll go. So the groundskeeper catches her in the safe, like digging around in the safe that he is so desperately trying to get into for X amount of years, one can only assume. Yeah, it's uh, not an overnight y- journey yeah. for him. He's been plotting for a yeah, while. Yeah, exactly. So uh, you, you can see immediately in the scene without without any dialogue, without any anything, 
him seeing her in it, you just get the vibe he's going to try to kill her. For sure, yeah. Yeah, just right then and there. So they have a little bit of an exchange. So what happens is essentially the doc comes in with a shotgun cocked, tells Jacinto, like, listen here, motherfucker. Get the fuck out. Fucking, you're out. You're out on your ass. They don't give him any water, no food, no provision. <laughs> yeah. No, no, like, nothing. It's like and a this orphanage degrees. looks like it used to be like a, uh, like, maybe like a French uh, legion kind of like it's a weird structure a, in the middle like, of the desert architecturally it's pretty cool looking it's place fantastic but it, it's it's a fortress in the middle of the desert it is surrounded by nothing but desert. nothing not even a tree yeah there's a cistern and a well and a dead body in the cistern so i and mean so he they tell him to get the fuck out and kick him out on the road and I, i'm really condensing the exchange here but the the groundskeeper gets kicked out of the school at gunpoint his girlfriend is like fuck you piece of shit so she doesn't want to go with him uh, the girlfriend again, Conchita, but good riddance to bad rubbish kind of thing with that fucking guy. All um, as well. Yeah. So, so the doc, the madame, the girlfriend, and a bunch of the boys are about to get the hell out of Dodge. They're loading up the truck. Like, hey, get me some extra gas cans. They go in there to get the gas cans and Jacinto is back. I guess he snuck in the back door and he's got gas cans all over the place and he's dumping gas everywhere and he's lighting a, lighting a cigarette. And all this just because he's butt hurt that he couldn't have some gold in the safe that, you know, he didn't. Yeah, he it's didn't kind of like it. a resentment that he's been carrying the whole movie that it's also like, you know, if I can't, yeah. though, like the only thing he had left that he wanted from them was the gold. Yeah. And he's, that he's he's more or less like, fuck all of you. I'm going to burn this whole place down. Yeah. He's just a criminal is yeah, what he is. For sure. Mm-hmm. And talk shit to her impotent doctor. Right. Boyfriend. So the whole movie, um, anytime Carmen, any anybody asked Carmen about anything, she's like. I've never fucking been scared of anything in my life. Like, you can tell she's just, she's kind of hard ass. Oh, she's been through it. She's yeah. been through the shit. Yeah. Well, I mean, she, she's clearly. She's got no leg. And she we don't know how. lost a leg. But guess what? Like, I guarantee that happened in, later in life. That yeah. wasn't like a, that wasn't like I was born this way. She, yeah. She, something happened. Yeah. She earned that prosthetic mm-hmm. leg at some point. Man, she's a hard ass bitch. But she also, uh, also looks great for age. Anyway, she takes her cane, fucking smokes a cinto across the face. He's held at gunpoint. I'm like, get the fuck out of here. He comes back. He's getting ready to burn this mother down, and uh, he's confronted by Conchita, who is packing heat. Luckily for her, she's pointing the gun at him, and he's like, "Get that fucking gun out of my face!" He's like slapping it, which is never a good idea. If anybody holds you at gunpoint, don't slap the barrel of the gun. It's a bad call. Uh, because it's a bad call, the gun goes off. Uh, she kind of like weans him, shoots him in the shoulder. They all hear the gun go off. So Jacinto scrambles for his cigarette that he was smoking. And I thought this was amazing tension to detail. There's a bit where he picks up his hand-rolled cigarette butt. Uh, as a smoker, I'm trying to quit, but leave me alone. Um, but as a smoker, having had hand-rolled cigarettes before, tried to do that before, they do go out very easily. So there's a bit where he picks up the cigarette butt and there's a close-up of him like blowing the ember back to life. And that's just good attention to detail because somebody else would go, I don't know, light a big old fat fucking cherry on it. So he picks it up and throws it on the gas cans. It doesn't work like that. You have to, you have to breathe life back into it. And that, that teeny tiny little thing was enough to make me take note of it and go, that's right. Good looking. That's exactly how it would, that this is how it would go down. Uh, so he lights the gas cans on fire. The, the whole shebang there. Um, anyway, the scene, the explosion actually looks pretty good. Uh, for it being a lower budget film, especially of uh, 2001 Mexican. Yeah, Spanish of 2001 production. Mexican yeah. Spanish production. Exactly. Uh, the Madame, she gets kind of the brunt of the explosion. 
Uh, Conchita does also, but she's a little more well protected by a wall. The scene after the explosion, mad props to like makeup and sound guys here. Th- this whole the the ringing and the like the the deafened and like the blood that pours out of the doc's ears when he stands yeah, yeah. up, it just like pulled blood in his ear and stuff. All of it looks fucking. It looks very Saving Private Ryan kind of shit. Yeah, you for know? sure. That's a good good yeah. comparison. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it looks really really good for a 2001 lower budget film. It looks amazing. The doctor he gets up. He's talking to Conchita. He can't fucking hear. He's like, yeah, whatever. He goes to go look for Carmen because he's in, madly in love with Carmen. He finds her. It's like it calls um, back to the the earlier scenes with them and the you know across the wall from each other. Like it's that perfect like relationship. Yeah, blossoming. Yeah, it it yeah, does. Going. It's the sort of thing that you can show and not tell at this point because you took the time to build that characterization in the beginning of the movie. Here you go. At the end of the movie, you have it this- works because it it belongs. It yeah. works because you you were given breadcrumbs leading up to it, not in like a cheesy way or oh that's kind of the low hanging fruit because that's the like the poetic beautiful way that it's supposed to work out. If all the stuff beforehand hadn't been there, it would have been cheesy. If it that was it, if that's the first time he says something like that to her, right? It would have felt you know really like hand fisted. Yeah, yeah, it would have felt yeah. weak. You know, it would have been bullshit, right. called bullshit on in a heartbeat. She dies, uh, and he's like, oh no, he's, he gets all fucked up about it. And I'm going to speed through a lot of this here. The boys are all in agreement now that Santi is the ghost, and what he wants is he wants Jacinto dead. Well, fucking, this is what we got to do. So Jacinto burned the place down. The old man, the doctor, uh, essentially just appears to have died from his wounds. He's hold- Yeah, he goes and takes Perch upstairs waiting for Jacinto to come back. Right. He's like sitting there with a gun, you know what mm, I mean? Spinning just- some vinyl he can't listen to because his ears are fucked. Yeah, can't hear shit. Maybe he hears the vibrations from it. <laughs> He is spinning some vinyl. He's got the shotgun. Guillermo del Toro loves a gramophone. How many movies does he have with a gramophone in it? Plenty. Yeah. He loves a gramophone. And uh, I I don't disagree. Uh, It looks nice. They do have a certain charm to them, you know? Yeah, so he he dies from his wounds up there. And, uh, you know, fucking Jacinto, he just comes back. Now that leaves all these kids unprotected. Like, there's no adults left. Except Uh, Carmen. Conchita. Conchita, sorry. Conchita's there. And she's like, listen, kids. I'm the only adult here. I'm going to go. Stay here. Stay safe. I'm going to get help. If I start walking right now, I can reach the next village by tomorrow morning or, you know, whatever yeah, the time frame the time there frame is. Was, yeah. So cut to uh, Conchita. She's walking down the road. Here comes uh, Jacinto. This little old classic car coming down the road. More yeah, yeah. Antique is a better word. Uh, yeah. It, it sure. Is. Even for the, like on the day, it was, yeah. a, it was an old ass <laughs> Even car. like 1941 or whatever. Very model T looking. It's yeah. not, but it's, it's, it's in that, it's in that, it's area, in that yeah. era. So here comes the model T down the road. You've got Jacinto pig and whatever the other guy's name is. <laughs> I'll call him. I, I don't remember his name. We, we, we could look it up. I'm going to call him Tom. So you've got Jacinto pig and Tom. So he gets out of the car. He's like, just apologize and get in the car. She won't do it. She's like, I'm not scared of you, bitch. Even though she should be, because she just watched him murder a whole bunch of people, including children. Long story short, he stabs her right there, cold-blooded, kills her in the middle of the road, uh, and just fucking leaves her to die. Then him yeah. and Pig and Tom get back in their fucking Model T, and they roll back to the place. The doctor has died by now, so they just walk in on all these kids, and they're like, hey start fucking picking shit up and then they lock them all in a broom closet real quick on the note of them killing her is like there's kind of like a what i enjoy about del toro and good writing in mm-hmm. general is that there's kind of this unspoken thing when they arrive where pig and uh tom is yeah they have kind of this conversation away from uh jacinto 
And they, you know, there's this implication that whatever he told them probably isn't what really happened. And they both know that. Yeah, like, they, they think that, like, he's, you know, like, oh, let's see how he handles hers. Like, one of yeah. them says, like, oh, watch they, this, watch this. Like, you know, yeah. let's see what he's up to. And it's, like, almost like either they're goading him on or yeah. he's told them a different version of what happened back there. Yeah, they're, they're kind of, they're, they have either bought the lie, hook, line, and sinker. Or they're calling bullshit. Or they're calling bullshit on it, one or the other. But it, it is a little indecisive. You can't really tell. But then he cold-blooded murders his girl right in front of him. Man, it's sad. It's sad to watch her get stabbed there because for a second I was hoping because you see that like that bit. I was hoping maybe she like she got him flipped the wrist on him or something Mm -hmm. like disarmed him and maybe stabbed him. I was like, that'd be that'd be dope. That wouldn't be avenging. There's no then there's no that wouldn't be avenging the dead. Yeah, Yeah. that's not part of the story. They kill her. They roll back to the place. The, the fucking doctor's dead. They got all the kids. They lock them in a broom closet. They're like, haha, fuck you. You're going to help me find that gold, bitches. Uh, Jacinto, Pig, and Tom are trying to bust open the safe. They eventually get in the safe. There's no gold in it. Just like papers and pictures and, and, and shit that's not shit that's not golden ingots. I, I don't know what else to say about it. Yeah, it's all like legal stuff, photographs, packages on the students, you right. know, portfolios about the kids. In the meanwhile, you've got these motherfuckers that are in the broom closet that they're locked in be like, listen. Yeah, he rounds them up and locks them in a broom closet. Yeah, is it a broom closet? It seems roomy, it's, but it's, it's it's kind of like a janitorial space. It's yeah. a small room. Yeah. Um, anyway, so you've got, I don't know, a dozen kids in there? Yeah, it's all the surviving kids, because a lot of them died during the explosion, too. Yeah, which is real sad, because they're, yeah. what, a, what a great cast of little tiny people. Yeah, gotta save some money, though. Kill some of those kids. That's right. <laughs> I, listen. So every day, it costs money to have them on set, so you I just feel, kill them. I feel like maybe they just live there anyway, and he's yeah. like, listen... I'll give you all three pieces of bread and half an apple to work on this movie. (laughs) And I'll give you a Haritos. You ever had Haritos? No. The Mexican soda? No. Ooh, it is fantastic. J-A-R-I-T-O-S. You ever get the chance to try it out? They come in a million fucking different flavors. I've had Mexican sodas before, but I don't know that I've ever had that one. Dude, Haritos is bomb. I used to work at a... uh, well, I used to work at like an adult novelty store mm-hmm. uh, up in Bridgeton mm-hmm. in St. Louis. And uh, there was a uh, like a Mexican bodega right next door. And I would go over there on my break all the time. Uh, and, yeah. know, get a, get a pack and they of smokes and a They have that one taffy kind of candy that's really good. Oh, that fucking oh, taffy's God. bomb. Yeah, salt water shit. Uh, oh, man. It's, it's that, that is good shit. Uh, so anyway, you've you've got all this going on. The kids are sitting in there like, listen. Santi, he's real. We all know he's real, and everybody's like, mm-hmm, because yeah, they're all stressed out, and they're yeah, tired. at this they're, point, they're just like... They're tired of pretending it, it's yeah, not a like, thing. No, he's a thing. Yeah, I've, I've seen it. We all seen it. We all know what you're talking about. But that's Santi, though, you know, and he's like, hell yeah, bro, I'll talk to him. Santi's yeah. my boy. He said, we're all going to die. So what we got to do, what Santi wants, Santi wants Jacinto. Well, he legitimately says, bring me Jacinto. Yeah. So... Like, straight up. That is what they make out to do. And they start getting, like, fucking shards of glass and sharpening broom handles and shit. It gets real sinister real fast. And it's fantastic because, I mean, you think pokey sticks. You're like, what are they going to do with those? Oh, no, it's nasty. (laughs) They're going to do some poking. (laughs) It's what they're going to fucking do. This is like if Home Alone was an R-rated film. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, uh, yeah. It gets, gets real, real... G- Some great gore gags in there you don't expect. Yeah, they're you know, they really good. Jacinto takes a stick to the arm. Oh, yeah. Uh, so anyway, they, they essentially, they wait until Tom... Is it after Tom and Pig leave? 
Yeah, they roll out. So yeah, because they, they pretty much them. bail on him when they're like, dude, you're a loser and there's Fucking, nothing here. You're lying and, about the goal. You're just yeah, a, you're lying. Because they've kind of like didn't really know for sure if he was going to come through with it anyway. He's just a murderer. They're the kind of dude you meet at a bar and like they tell you they can murder your wife for like $1,000, but then turns out they're actually going to flip you on the cops so they can <laughs> right, get, their they are cops. <laughs> get their sentence commuted or something. Mm-hmm. The, the the kids wait until uh, Pig and Tom leave, and then Jacinto finds the gold, and he starts running for the door, like, trying to flag him down, and they're like, fuck you, you loser, you lying piece of shit. And but he's he like, has right. the gold. And he's, he he's, has the gold. he's got it tied all up on him, he's, like, ready. Yeah, oh yeah, he's ready, he's like, fine, I'll, I'll fucking keep it all. Yeah, he's like, it's all mine now. All the adults are dead. Yeah, he's like, I'm just gonna kill these kids and be done with it. And then he turns around, and one of them's like, puta. You know, you little bitch. And then he fucking goes to chase after him and they run away because they're children and they're way more nimble and faster than he is. So they eventually lead him down to where the cistern is. And then he gets fucking ambushed by these kids with sharp sticks and they fucking stab the shit out of him. And it's pretty brutal, man. Oh, yeah, they fuck him all up. Like, they do. They're like. Great, great one where they stick him in the forearm and it just goes in. And you're like, God damn. Uh, it's like, uh, and he gets up and he's like trying to fight him off. And one kid just gets like gores him right in the armpit. Yeah, dude. <laughs> The one, the first one, like right in the armpit. That's a you're fucking. <laughs> that's a shit like, that's, spot. Yeah. That was the kill shot. And I mean, it, and it goes in, and he's like, "Fuck!" <laughs> right, hits the ground, and they fucking stab him in the forearm again. That one in the fo- that one in the the armpit, though, man, that made me like, oh yeah, oh, it was definitely oh. like the blow. If he managed to get out of that, he'll probably die from it. No, yeah, he would for sure die. To, it's like it's like a getting your like getting your jugular sliced. So there, there's like great comeuppance right here where all the kids have surrounded him and they're all sticking him with these sharp ass sticks. Yeah. And I mean, it's like gore in the fuck out of this. Yeah. It's not saying you know like in your head, however you can imagine someone being stabbed with a stick. Take it times ten, even a hundred times what you're imagining. Right. It's so much gorier than like you know poking someone with a stick. Yeah. It's like it's like straight up like a. Remember when you were a kid and you, you bonded over murdering somebody yeah, yeah, with sure. your friends? It's almost like they're uh, goring bulls or something. That's how violent it is. It's just you really know, nasty. It, it does kind of yeah. seem like um, it's got kind of a um, matador quality. A matador. Thank you. I was, I was like, you know, that painting, the, the painting, <laughs> the painting uh, uh, the, with the guy. And he's like stabbing and the bull. Flags. And the- uh, so the, the your baddie finally gets his come up and sees fucking getting the shit stabbed out of him. And then they... He's, he's got, like, like, one breath left in him. Yeah, he's getting ready to get up, and he's like, fuck you guys, and they kick him in the they kick him in the cistern. But uh, one thing I did forget to mention, though, is when Jacinto finds the golden ingots, he finds them inside uh, Carmen's prosthetic leg. Previously, when they're loading up the truck with all the kids and shit, and they're like, oh, we gotta get the fuck out of here, Conchita says to Carmen, she's like, are, are you doing okay? And she goes, ah, my leg, it's, it's heavier today than ever. And this whole time, she's like a badass. She's not scared of nothing. She goes, fuck you. She don't give a shit. She, she's a hard-ass lady. She's like, seems real apprehensive. And she's like, oh, my, my leg is heavier today than ever. And it feels like a, uh, like a, like she's kind of trying to admit that she's actually a little unsettled and a little scared. But she means quite literally her leg is heavier today than ever. Because, because she has like 10 golden ingots stuffed inside it. And gold is incredibly got 40 dense. pounds on one side. <laughs> so they, they, they fucking kick him in there. They shoot him in there. They fucking pee on him. And he falls in there via the properties of liquid. And the, the golden, the, the, the gold he has tied around him. Like oh, it's yeah. dragging him down and he can't swim with oh, it. Oh, it's in his pockets. He's mm-hmm. got it tied to and his And he's like trying to shit. cut it loose because he's he knows he's sinking. Yeah. So he's, he's sinking like a fucking rock, baby. Especially because he's losing a whole shitload of blood uh, via one of his main arteries. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> his uh, armpits geysering blood into the septic <laughs> right 
And uh, he gets down there, and then there's the the moment that you've been like the whole movie. We've been like, waiting for it. Yeah, there it is. Santi just fucking grabs. Santi like, just comes oh, in, oh, swoops oh, in like a hawk. Yeah, snatches his ass. So this uh, this kind of wraps it all up. This is the like the dead getting his revenge. You what you get out of your classic ghost story. I liked it a lot. So as they're closing it out, you get the same the same uh, like talk down opening at the beginning of the movie. Where they're just talking about, like, you know, what is a ghost? Was yeah. a ghost this? Is a ghost that? Maybe a ghost is this. Like, but then you find out that the narrator the whole time was the doctor. Yeah. And he's there standing with the shotgun at the door as all the boys fucking take off. Because he's a ghost now. Because he's a ghost now, yeah. he's haunting because he was in turmoil when he died. Right. Because they kind of get into that a little bit in the movie about whether or not, you know, somebody's uh, in pain when they die. So does he not get to roll out ever? I don't guess because so. Because Santi did, so he doesn't because they both kind of I think he's got... stuck there, but yeah, he don't get revenge like oh. Santi did. Well, his isn't a revenge thing. He his doesn't is like get, a... Can we, he doesn't get revenge like Santi did. Yeah, so I mean, that's, a, that's, that's pretty much the wrap on the whole good movie. Do, do you... Are there, as somebody who's into filmmaking... What is a key grip? A key grip is a head of the department that loads an equipment and unloads equipment. So all the heavy shit that needs moved, like there's even dolly grips who handle the dolly. But yeah, it's typically who's in charge of like lighting things, like rigging stuff. If you need like scaffolding or you need heavy equipment moving. He's in. the guy who knows where all the shit's at. Basically, like you remember Tropic Thunder? Oh, yeah. Okay. You remember when Tom Cruise is like the Harvey Weinstein kind of guy and he's on yep. that Zoom call? Yep. Yep. And he's like real pissed off at the director? Yeah. There's a reason why he says, who's the key grip here? And the guy uh, raises his hand. He goes, I want you to punch that motherfucker right in the face. <laughs> like, that's why, because the key grip is the guy you would want to punch someone in the face. Yeah, right, because he doesn't know where the shit's at or, or what have yeah, you. Yeah, nice. you don't want the, you know, uh, weak so, writer. Let me ask you another question. When you see a thing in a movie and you're like, that looks fucking terrible. Is that... Okay, I'll give you, for instance, we recently did an episode on the movie Shooting Gallery. Have you seen it? Mm-mm. I think we said no. Um, so there's this filter over the camera on the opening sequence now is that what is the difference between like who trumps who as far as the cinematographer and the director the director trumps the cinematographer director trumps the cinematographer so does the director pick a cinematographer and go i like generally what you do most times well i've always wondered about that because when i see a movie and it's like half of the cinematography is fine and half of it looks like dog shit a lot of variables so to further answer that question, the first one, then come back to this one is, uh, so yeah, most of the time the director picks the cinematographer because they like how they work. They like what they've done before. And sure. They, you know, and oftentimes they kind of grow up together. You'll see a lot of DPs and, uh, well, I directors. So and so back on yeah, for sure. XYZ. Yeah. Or we worked on a TV him. show together or I was right. hired for a single episode, but I really liked the way this dude shot. I want to bring him on my movie. But then sometimes like you get hired for a job, like you're a director on assignment as a term they use, which is. Basically, you get hired to do a movie that's in development that's already a long, far along, you okay. know, and kind of like what John Carpenter did with Big Trouble in Little China, where you just like come in, fill a seat, shoot the movie. I, love that movie. I know, right? But it's like he didn't really have a creative voice in that movie. He didn't just kind of much to it. Yeah, well, I mean, like he handled the art direction. Somebody and, probably like, were know, like, "Hey, John, what do you think of?" Absolutely. Same with uh, Christine was another director on assignment where they're like, mm. "Hey, we have the script, we have these things." You want to do the movie, you kind of cast it, you pick, you know, you kind of pick stuff, but you're more or less just brought in to to make the movie because some producers already put it together. So oftentimes that's the case. And then the other times, you know, like certain production houses have like, hey, we really like these editors or we really like this DP Mm -hmm. and we want to bring them on because we trust them. 
Right. And, you know, you as the director, it's like oftentimes like you're in bed with them early on. So that choice is one that you're not being arbit, you're arbitrated with, but it's also knowing that coming out of the gate. So you're kind of like, okay, cool, cool. And you meet with them and you get along and you make the movie. Yeah. So let me ask you two more questions and then we'll wrap up the first half of this show. Okay. Uh, one thing that I would like to know is as anyone out there who this may ever come across, who's interested in getting into film production, to look at The Devil's Backbone, directed by Guillermo del Toro, what would you say to them? Like, look at this movie as a good example of specifically this one thing. There are a million things I could tell you about a million different movies, but this one in particular, look at this one thing that they did phenomenally. So I'm going to give a quick history to explain why I'm the, for this answer. Okay. So prior to The Devil's Backbone, Guillermo had done a major studio movie called Mimic. Yeah, and I've seen Mimic. Yeah. This is like a, uh, uh, that was before this? Yes. Wait, yeah, that was, so Mimic yeah, was yeah. in the 90s. Yeah. Yeah, so, I remember Mimic. So Guillermo got, you know, he made a movie called Kronos. It went over pretty well. It was a Spanish language movie, vampire mm-hmm. thing. And it yep. was very low budget, you know, really tooth and nail to get it done. Right. And, but it made him a person to look at. Right. So then, you know, he made a couple things and then got on, you know, the major Hollywood radar. Well, Mimic, they brought him in and basically were like, you ain't shit. We control this movie. It was Harvey Weinstein, for that record, and Bob, who notoriously will fuck with your movie. Right. And they took the movie from him, recut it, released it, and pretty much made Guillermo hate making movies to the point where he really considered hanging up his hat. Because, you know, if this is the big show, then he doesn't want it. So is this his, So instead, this what his... had happened was somebody, a Mexican slash Spanish production company said, hey, you know, we can wrangle some assets together. We'd love for you to make another Spanish language movie. Right. So Guillermo had this idea in mind for The Devil's Backbone. So why this is important for a younger person to look at is this is what you do when somebody who has had, you know, like this is the kind of movie that when you make a big studio movie and you have to go through all the politics of making one mm-hmm. and all the shit that goes into making one and answering to a lot of people who are above you. This is the movie you make when you get to have that creative voice and opportunity to prove yourself again. Perfect. So Guillermo took a step back, made Devil's Backbone with those, with that in mind. But most importantly for a young person, I would say really just pay attention to how well he focuses on the story, how everything has a reason, how an art direction and art design can go really far in movies. It's something that, you know, I think a lot of younger people take for granted is not paying attention to your costuming or your design or the yeah. structure of the building you're shooting in or why these things are important. With almost no money, he was able to put this stuff together and it's fantastic. And it got him back on the Hollywood map. Great example to anybody who's young and aspiring out there. You don't have to have $25 million to make a good movie. You just have to have someone who believes that you can do what you want to do. If, if you it, have a supportive team behind you yeah. and you have people who really believe in what you're doing, that money doesn't matter. There are people that, are, that can always help you tell your story. Absolutely. Yeah. And you'll, and most importantly, like you'll know where to spend your money. That's, it, that's the big difference between that $25 million movie. Yeah. And I've known people and I've been present for people talking about making that jump from like a five or $10 million movie to a $150 million movie. Right. And they'll tell you like the biggest things you get more days and you get fed better. Which seems like important stuff for morale. <laughs> yeah, you know that's, what I mean? that's really it. Like, if you're yeah. eating ramen noodles for the 16th day in a row, and you're the key grip, and somebody goes, hey, where, where can I get that? Blah, 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 blah. Yeah, for sure. Go, it's the difference between... Figure little- it out. So, um, second question, probably the more important question I'd like to ask you is, as a good movie, as, as a guy that likes to watch movies, what's your favorite part about this? Oof. 
So my favorite part about this, it's it's kind of one of those movies that you could hear the voice in it. I think it's really Guillermo. This is the movie where Guillermo found his voice. This is the movie where the, this, if you watched all of his movies in chronological order, I would say this is the first one that is singular to who, what the guy we know now. Yeah. You know, he, sure. He's got a lot more money to spend. He's got bigger sets, better, you know, more elaborate mm-hmm. costume design, you know, but the pieces of who he is as a filmmaker in this movie, like you have all the machinations of what makes the this guy we know now, like where he figures out how to make, how do I take the story that I want to tell and put it up there in a way that's easily digestible and and actually quite gripping for anyone who will sit and watch it. And and to say anyone who will sit and watch it, if you watch the first five to ten minutes of this movie, you're going to watch all of it. Yeah. And you, you know in five to ten minutes this is a Guillermo del Toro movie. You, you, like you, you really you do. do now. Opening credits, I was like, this is spot on. I could go on about the the color contrasts and the way that they work the warm and cools together, even mm-hmm. in the exact same fucking shots. It's and Guillermo leans into colors. Uh, you know, there's other filmmakers that do it, but we're using him as an example since yeah. this is his movie. But he leans into colors that are kind of ugly that you don't normally see represented, like yellow, green right. colors that you know were kind of popular 40 years ago. Or yeah, or a but, lot of oranges and greens yes. and fucking. Real, real cool, like light teal blues, and then just fucking red, like red, red, red. Anyway, that, uh, that, that's going to wrap it up for the first segment of the show. I mean, I'm sure we could go on about this movie for another hour. I'm having a really good time, but yeah. So, the reason why I picked this movie, like, I first off, I know it's not like the movie people are going to go, like, oh, I really need to go see that because it's Spanish, it's subtitled, it's for 2001. That's not, that's not what this show's yeah, for. Absolutely. Yeah. But, it's definitely like when Danny approached me about doing this episode with him, he was like, hey, man, like, you know, usually we like to have some kind of connection. Like, they don't, you know, it doesn't have to be thematic or whatever, per, in, yeah. but just some kind of connection. And I said, you know what? I know the bad movie I want to do. I want to do The Visitor. You just found a good movie. That- the movie's a fucking hoot. Yeah, it's fantastic. Now, when you when we come around to this episode later, you're going to learn that there's many things happening in The Visitor. I had a lot of roads to take. I'm, I'm, I, I can only imagine we watched a Russian movie recently called Branded that was like watching five movies at one time. That's what this is like. Have you seen Branded? No. Fucking, you'll have a heyday with it. Or don't and just listen to the episode about it. It's probably way more entertaining. Uh, we're watching The Visitor, which is a March 1980 release. I was made previously, but that's the US release date. Had a budget of $800,000. Yeah, and I, I couldn't find its box office earnings anywhere. Um, this is directed by a Giulio Paradisi and uh, screenplay by Luciano Con Luciano Comici and Robert Mundy, uh, starring John Huston, Shelley Winters, Lance Hendri- uh, <clears throat> Lance Henriksen, uh, Glenn Ford, Sam Peckinpah. Okay, aka one of the greatest directors of all time. But it is Peck and Paul. It's Peck and Paul. Yeah, he directed. Okay. He directed Straw Dogs, The Wild Bunch. No shit. Yeah, like there's. If you go look up wow. the movies he's made, you'd be like, holy shit. Uh, also starring Paige Connor and Joanne Nail. So we're gonna go watch this weird fucking mashup thing that's a bunch of different movies. Have a couple of drinks, and uh, we'll be back to run through it, and uh, you know, talk more about good fun stuff. In a world where two men want to date one woman, but they're buddies. Only one man will date the... Only one man will date the woman. One's... 
not very competent, and one's not very confident. Two uh, cop, cops, they're both named Jason. Two, it's two Jasons. And they're cops. They're they're not cops. They're in the they're in the CIA. Two They're gonna spy. It's a fun spy time. Weiss Ritherspoon. St- Statham. Bateman. Two Jasons. One and one one Ritherspoon. It's loads of action, like hanging out in the office, throwing paper balls. This summer, two Jasons. Special thanks to Brad Sexton for our jams. Please check out his latest project at sons.bandcamp.com. That is S-U-N-D-S.bandcamp.com. Thanks to Lamplighter Productions for our artwork. Uh, please check out more of their stuff on Instagram at Lamplighter underscore productions underscore IL. First time listener, we're anywhere podcasts are found. But if you don't subscribe to any of those services, listen to the show for free on our website. It's just the number two movies.buzzsprout.com. That's it's just two movies.buzzsprout.com. Want to get in touch with the show? Email us at it's just two movies at gmail.com or find us on Twitter or Instagram at it's just two movies. Want to support the show? Great. Leave a like, comment, or subscribe on whatever platform tickles your fancy. Uh, and one last thank you to our editor, head writer, producer, and host. Uh, oh, that uh, th- those are all me. So anyway, back to the show. All right, we just got done watching The Visitor, and I uh, told you a bunch of stuff about that a, a moment ago. Real time, it's probably been three hours. We've been hamming it up, having a good time, having a couple of drinks. But uh, we did watch The Visitor. I mean, I guess before we really get going on to it, um, I'm just going to... I just want to do right out of the gate. I want you to give it two ratings for me out of ten thumbs. What would you rate it as a movie? Like Date Night, you just kind of put this on just to have something to watch. And you something possesses you to finish it all the way through. As a regular film... What would you give it? And then what would you give it as a bad movie by knowing it's bad going into it? For a regular movie, I would say probably three thumbs up. That seems yeah. fair. I mean, it's there's competence. Maybe it's, even a four. Like it's it is not the hardest thing to follow that I've ever watched. No, but it it doesn't make sense at the same time. Like it's a very much like kitchen sink movie where it's like, okay, this is hot. Yeah. This is super cool right now. Well, let's you do know, more. Ch- of that. Yeah, possession, child movies, uh, child possession, evil kid movies. Put some more falcons in there. Yeah, put some more falcons in there. Let's get some aliens (laughs) in here. Let's get some, you know, let's get some car wrecks in here. Let's get like whatever. Yeah, skinheads, explosions. Child molesters are really big. (laughs) Random uh, basketball game with pro basketball player. Like whatever. Yeah, yeah. If you could think it up, like they really just, they just threw it in there. Yeah, yeah, they they fucking really did. But um, yeah, when you said like, hey man, like what movie do you want to watch? And I said, man, the bad movie is going to be the fun part. You know, so I, I thought like The Visitor, because like I feel like this movie is definitely one of those that people don't really, uh, kind of got a little bit of attention a few years ago. They re-released it. So, you know, some people had seen it, but I feel like it's the kind of movie like, you know, kind of needed to be found by more people. It's 
it's a bad movie, but not unwatchable. But it's just there's like bizarre choices, just the weirdest yeah. choices. Yeah, it, it's, it really is. It's it's like the kind of movie that like if you're familiar with like Italian movies and Italian filmmakers trying to make American movies, you know, like the spaghetti western or Italian horror. It's like almost like it's almost like this weird like uh, mimicry. Like they're trying to uh, yeah. they're trying to understand like why are the American movies so good? Yeah, but they, don't, <laughs> they, they don't, have this. They, they have this. They don't quite like, have the, yeah, they don't understand. They don't quite have the grasp on. <laughs> yeah, what it's it like is a poor time. translation of an American movie. They're like, we're gonna go ahead and do what they do, but but what if we just throw it all in there mm-hmm. and go crazy with it? So it's definitely that. But it was all shot here and mostly an American cast, as far as I can tell. But. There's just bizarre, bizarre choices in it. So yeah, for a bad movie, yeah, I would give it probably on the bad movie score. I would say, if like on the bad movie score, would a ten be like the most amazing bad movie you'd ever seen, and like, then zero being like yeah, it's not a yeah. very good bad movie. Yeah, like you know it's good. You know it's bad when you go into it. You put on a bad movie deliberately. Yeah, it's like when you're showing people the room and you're like, I want you to, I want you to watch this bad movie. It's yeah. entertaining, and you'll get the jokes. Yeah, look at how awful this is. Yeah, I would say, um, I don't know, maybe like a five. I'd yeah, say, yeah, five is a bad movie. I would give it probably a two as a movie, as a regular movie. Give it like a seven is a bad movie. I had a lot of fun with it. It was really confusing, but that was part of its charm is because it would just like handbrake turn left into <laughs> you remember you remember Falcons? So it opens up, you've got Obi-Wan Kenobi staring at the sun, and then the Sith rolls up during a dust storm and immediately know you're in for some super weird shit. Uh this is undoubtedly shot during the LSD boom. You've got uh, Soretta for this weird opening. You've got Space Jesus uh, recanting their, the religion which they follow whilst in space. And he's telling these, like, bald, shaved-head children about a primal, like, mutant thing that wishes to kill everybody named Satine. Yeah. Uh, the next thing I have written is, don't break your arm jerking yourself off with all this Yahweh shit. But shortly after that, you, you do have uh, my dude coming through with this old James Bond knockoff funk jazz track. <laughs> uh, it, and then there's. Yeah, it's, you're like looking at Space Jesus and he's being yeah. told that, you know, so there's all these evil kids. Yeah, there's like kind of like a sepia. Uh, not sepia, yeah. that's the wrong, the wrong term. It's like a some they do something to like soften the light. Yeah, it's a really room. soft, really bloomy, yeah. like a lot of like, yeah. Yeah, and and then and space Jesus like so funk music like the dirty visitor, porno, dirty yeah, yeah. porno fucking the dirty like. visitors tell like the dirty, the visitors telling space Jesus he's like hey so we have a new one a new kid we have to go intervene we have to stop them yeah and this kid's name's Katie Collins and she'll be eight and this is supposed to be a big deal so we hang on space Jesus's face and we push in and you get like it's just this really dramatic eye lock. Yeah, and then just like Danny said, you get this bombastic, fucking, like big, big jazz, like and it's you're just staring at Space Jesus's very blue eyes, <laughs> and then immediately after that, you're staring at a skyscraper, uh, skyscraper, <laughs> and um, and then it's a basketball game, and the teams don't appear to have names. I didn't write no, it down. I didn't see any real names. Like uh, I saw SF Miners. But the basketball game portion of this movie will be starred by none other than Wilt Chamberlain, who was in everything about this time. So that's okay. Yeah. 
Yeah, why, why yeah. wouldn't you start in the visitor? If somebody called me and I was Will Chamberlain, like, hey, you want to come do this movie? What do you want me to do? I want you to play basketball for 45 minutes. <laughs> I'm going to keep so, about six minutes of that totally unnecessarily. Yeah, I mean, it's like a, a super exaggerated game. Like, it feels like it's filling time. <laughs> it's most of this movie feels like it's filling time. Oh, for sure. Yeah, there's a lot um, of boredom. You could You could easily trim 20 minutes of this. And you could trim 20, 30 minutes. And you would never know where it went. You No, you'd still have the same film. And it would still be confusing. <laughs> this needs a serious rewrite. <laughs> but uh, you, you do go from Space Jesus in the nook of safety to the Pine Mile in the concrete jungle. I'm digging all the style up in this shit because really? everybody's very like 1970s. Yeah, you're right. They have the big collars and, and the they polyester feel, suits. It's like, hey, we got to fill this room with 10 extras. And then they just grab like five of them, and just they're like, "Hey, clothes. listen, <laughs> move to different listen, places. We're about to put you in some wild ass shit." <laughs> so it looks very out of place. What's this for again? <laughs> right? Yeah. Wilt Chamberlain's going up to dunk, and the little girl Katie, who's evil for some reason, <laughs> explodes the ball, and uh, the seven seventies bit. You got Wilt Chamberlain. He's very shocked. Uh, there is a very hand fisted falcon shot. Scene where the old man's getting his passport checked, and uh, they go, oh, what's the nature of your visit? Are you here for and, business or pleasure? And that's it. He's the he's he's the visitor. Uh, the visit. The visitor. Yeah, because he's just he's just here for a quick visit to, <laughs> to kill a girl after she calls 12 people pedophiles. So old guy has a bunch of Space Jesus disciples, which you can just tell they're Space Jesus disciples because... They're also bald. In the Space Jesus room, everybody has a shaved head. Danny, you're bald. Yeah. Does this make you a disciple of Space Jesus? Hi, listen, do you have a moment to talk about our Lord and Savior, Space Jesus? <laughs> There's your next ad, Space That's Jesus. <laughs> Space <laughs> Jesus. The Church of Space Jesus. It's, it's fucking crazy as shit. But you can tell they're Space Jesus disciples because they're all wearing matching jumpsuits and they're all bald. Yeah, and they have like a weird choreographed dance routine as they're setting up their weird... They do. Yeah, I don't know how to describe them. They look like boxes of sheets spread over PVC. Yeah, there's bizarre <laughs> close-ups that are 100% unnecessary and 1,000% appreciated because they are hilarious. <laughs> like, they'll just zoom in on a person like, I don't know, taking... Taking a breath, like thinking about, like, like. It's like we need something to cut away to. Hey, I what's should, what's that extra my, doing? Over there? Yeah, it's like a. Uh, I should call my sister. I, yeah, I, I yeah. never told my dad I love. And the them. angles are they're super think, bizarre too. It's always about like something that's totally unrelated to nothing is related to this. Yeah, so it's they can almost be like about, somebody had told Mister Paradise, the director of this film. They said, "You know, if you want something to look dramatic, shoot them from below." Right. Yeah. Every angle, it's always like them floating in space. It doesn't make sense. And they're just making... any scene that's just their head in a close up in suspended animation. Yeah. And they're just making grocery lists in their head. They're like, <laughs> I got to get edamame. We're almost out of butter. Shake your head twice. Mm, okay. uh, yeah. Got mm, yeah. Oh, wait. Do, do we have coffee creamer at home? Yeah. We have half and half. Okay. Yeah. 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 Is it vanilla? Is it. Uh, yeah. So there's another hard cut to a weird secret boardroom agency 
And Barbara's refused to marry old boy, and that's a problem. So now they're just going to reveal their real motive. Yeah, uh, just like so that. Like you never have an opportunity. She's to She's not like, going to marry you. Well, that? let me tell you the whole thing. Uh, yeah, like they just roll it out. Like, and I kind of appreciate that. That early on, there's like, man, maybe we should move that up because we have so much other weird shit we're going to throw it down. It's yeah, like, let's just move that up and like just kind of we know where Lance Hendrickson sets on this. Right. Um, so, long story short, Barb is like a superhero baby factory. <laughs> Lance has got to get to fucking, and hence the problem. So that's why they tell him all about it. You know, she makes superhero babies basically like super telekinetic, like Katie. Yeah. So they they warn that if she has another baby, because Katie wants her to, constantly tells her, "I want a baby brother." Oh yeah. So she wants this baby. So, but They're then they also the- want Lance to make a baby with yeah. her. So is the baby a bad idea or a good? I I, I can't tell because Katie's bad and they're good. I think they might so, be worried about Space Jesus Uprising. Yeah, because they're in cahoots with Space Jesus. Katie is? No, the no, agency. Okay, yeah. I was like the old man in the, the boardroom. Yeah, yeah. Right, that's what I thought. So I like, like, why, like, well, who wins if there's a baby? Who loses if Katie dies? Just evil well, in yeah, general, yeah. like the idea of like, evilness. And loses. I mean, he's supposed to be coming and taking her away, but oh, know, he's I mean, coming in yeah. the Visitor Two. Everybody that worked on that movie's dead. <laughs> so it's very clear Katie has a pet falcon, and uh, it's her birthday, <laughs> and she's unstable and probably has superpowers. Um, she's also outright, you know. Uh, Called her mom like a bitch and been like throughout. Yeah. But she's very like, you know, my super sweet 16 oh, yeah. kind of thing going on. Yeah, yeah. So it's her super sweet uh, 12th. <laughs> and she gets a gun for her birthday. She's unwrapping presents. But From that who? One, From who? She, she knows there's a gun in that one because she picks it up and runs halfway across the house <laughs> to open it. And we then don't she know sees, who it's from. She sees the gun. No, you have no idea who it's from. She sees the gun. She grabs it. And she's like, yes, fuck yes, just what I wanted. And then she runs back in the other room where everybody for her birthday party is and throws it like accidentally. Just casually tosses it like just across the room. Like, yeah, like it's a beanbag. Like just throws it like, you know, yeah, like a hacky sack. Like a cornhole. If you play cornhole. Listen, kids, there's a game in the Midwest. It's called cornhole. It's not what you're thinking it is. You throw beanbags in, in a hole in a board. Uh, she throws it very delicately like that. It hits a firm surface, discharges, and shoots her mom right in the fucking spine, which is her mom's choice. Everything that happens to this mom, it's implied that for some reason she chose this to happen. <laughs> right. Well, the next thing that happens is massive hospital bills, and then there's some drastic piano music. Uh, and there's a spinal operation scene, and it's very... It's really drug out. It's for- it's really drug out. It's very The Exorcist, but done poorly. And this and is... This there's, is- an, there's an x-ray, and guess what? <laughs> there's a bullet a in her spine. <laughs> it's also where things get murky, because before some reason... So Katie shoots mom. Mom goes to, on the ambulance to the hospital... We start seeing shots of Katie in her gymnastics clothes, like oh, yeah. chilling out, stretching at the just gym. Doing like, yeah, rando. just doing whatever she's doing. But then we cut back to the super long, intensive spinal surgery yeah. montage and then intercut it with shots of Katie. So it really starts to get kind of murky, like when Katie like basically shot mom and then just spent the next two days at the gym. Just doing gymnastics, just, <laughs> just like working chilling out. out. Yeah. yeah, just getting a good sweat on. 
So, old boy, the the older gentleman, um, he's got he's got a little something, little herpy lip. He's got a little herpy lip going on, <laughs> and, and not to disparage, it's you know one it in happens. four or one it in three or whatever totally it is now. Normal thing that happens, um, but you know, maybe evil demon children in this world have a magic power over random birds of prey, because at the beginning they like say very clearly and plainly. These evil children will have like an eagle or something. Yeah, and Satine and had taken no... the form of a hawk. Yeah, or an eagle. Yeah. Oh, so maybe that's eagle. maybe that's very it. specifically. Yeah, eagle. yeah. Uh, and there's not an eagle there's in this entire movie. There's not an eagle in movie. the movie. No, not, it's not, definitely not one. Like, like a type of hawk. Maybe they thought that a hawk or a falcon was an eagle. I think it's a falcon for real because falcons are a little bit smaller. They get a shorter beak. Anyway, yeah. Maybe they were like. Nobody knows the difference because all birds look the same, which makes a lot of sense with the racist overtones in this well, like film. Like I said, there's a lot of, you know, they're Italians just trying to translate it. So, like, the script says eagle. They see hawk. Well, Close enough, man. You know, just fucking spaghetti yeah. spaghetti. Yeah, exactly right. Uh, so the demon kid calls this dude a pedophile. And he's like a bus driver. And uh, she might not be far off the mark. No, no, he's the detective that's he's the detective. following, that's following oh, her post-gunshot. makes on more Mo- sense. That makes more sense, because he does Columbo her. Yeah, She's, like, yeah. getting ready to walk away, and he's yeah, like, he's, oh, yeah, just one more thing. He out of her. Yeah, he fucking smacks the shit out of her. And, and uh, Katie's she, like, you're a bastard. She tell him to shove it up his ass or whatever? Yeah, she goes, like, you, I can tell you what to do with that gun. Shove it up your ass. <laughs> some, of this, some of this movie is clearly dubbed. Oh, for sure. Uh, some of this movie is very clearly dubbed, if you were curious. By I'm the way, honestly th- thinking most of Katie's stuff yeah. is definitely uh, dubbed. Uh, this one is not in subtitles, though. No, no, so no, it's not. So, if you're wondering what's going to happen next, it's a falcon attack. Uh, next summer, one man, Sterling Gray, has the patience and stoic poise to make a falcon attack and literally just stop and devolve into just a man walking away. Uh, uh, that was yeah, that's it that's, that's what happened yeah that was a whole scene in the it movie flew up to the window and then it turned back around and he yep. left and uh then there's another falcon attack from the f- top rope uh flies in the window car careening out of control down Ooh. a congested freeway this is where you see where the whole budget went um <laughs> I mean, the, so the hawk changes way. all the stoplights to yeah. like different colors so that it causes an accident. I think they got such a great cast for this because they sold them on the idea of how crazy it was going to be. And they're all be, like, yeah. that sounds just I crazy wondered, enough to work. It seems like a favors movie to me, to be it, honest. It definitely yeah, it really seems like does. the kind of movie where you're like, hey, I remember, know like this guy. And remember this that time you did all my <laughs> <Yes>. blow? <laughs> yeah. Remember that so, time you did on my blow? If you don't do my movie, I'm going to tell your wife Time to about, play the piper. I'll tell yeah. your wife about Las Vegas. Yeah. And, uh, so you also have like a really insane motorcycle stunt. Like It's probably the highlight of that whole sequence. So dude's getting yeah. pecked in the face in the car while he's driving, and he's causing several accidents. And you just randomly have this like really badass motorcycle stunt where a dude smokes the car completely head on. And I don't know how this man actually survived it because it was in one shot. But maybe he was he folds. Yeah, he folds legs over head backward on his neck. Like if it's, it's a real man, and that's a real point of impact. That man died making this movie. 
That's got to be a dumb. That, There's nobody's living yeah. after that. You're, you're the human body doesn't oh, it, make that shape. It's yeah, it's brutal. And if yeah. he did survive, he is probably still going to the chiropractor. Right after this, there's explosions. There's people dying all over the place. There's fucking motorcycles and cars flipping and fucking shit all over the place. And then the camera pans. Well, it doesn't pan. It's like a hard cut to the Falcon, as if he's personally responsible. <laughs> For for this whole ordeal. But it's clearly it is, Falcon on a perch again. <laughs> yeah, clearly not even the same bird. I just got so fucking bizarre. There's a lot of ice skating. And Katie's pulling some BS. Like she's uh spinning around, tripping all these boys at the ice skating rink. Oh yeah. And the and whole time it, the visitor's coming to look for. He's coming downstairs. So we get this drawn out three to five minutes. And there's real, there's more ice skating. And then they, they put that big funky jam from the intro yep. back on top of this. Yep. Of him coming downstairs. The and, escalator that's not work. Yeah. And then there's more stairs. And then next, there's more skating. And, then, and I cannot stress this enough how much skating and stairs are going on here. Like it, it's it, like five minutes of the runtime is him walking down escalators, and if, I mean it's it's looped. So it's like when he gets halfway oh, yeah. down, yeah, we go back to Katie and we come back up, and he's back at the top of the yeah. stairs. Again. Oh yeah. If l- listen, if you're out there and you're not sure if I'm serious or not, the next thing that happens in this movie is more stairs, and then after that, do you know what happens? You guessed it. It's more skating. Do you know what's next after that? That's right. It's a man going through a glass window. Shattering the pane. Yes. Brutal, nasty window break. Yeah. For. And you say man, but he's he's like a 12-year-old kid. Is he? Because no. A 12-year-old kid did not go through that window. No, no. A I mean, gro- like... The, no. A grown 37-year-old man... Dressed as a 12-year-old... Dressed <laughs> as a 12-year-old boy went through that window. That's fucking so weird, man. So weird. And then uh, the next thing I've got written down is that they accuse a second person of being a child molester. Mm-hmm. And again, also not far off the mark. <laughs> uh, there's a very hand-fisted uh, Last Supper imagery... You don't have to shove it down my throat like that, but the shot, standing alone from the rest of the film, is good. And that's a lot of this is like, man, if you just take that as a still screenshot, just, yep. A lot of it's fucking. It's really beautiful, man, and it really is. There's moments that are great, but like, the fact but that it has many. nothing to do with any part of the rest of the fucking movie. Except the bit where there's space Jesus. Good point. It just it yeah, doesn't. It's, it's definitely the moment where they're like setting up for the day and they're walking through what they're gonna do and they're like, yeah, we just need to pick off a shot of everyone eating dinner. Yeah. And the you know DP's probably walking around looking. He's hey, Michael Paradise, <laughs> come on over check this shot out. What do you think? Last Supper. Oh, what do you think? And he's like, fuck yeah. It is the Last Supper. Holy <laughs> shit, you're he's right. Like, fuck yeah, let's I've shoot seen it. that somewhere before. <laughs> shoot that's it. it. <laughs> Fucking, that's it, man. That's it. So you got, you got Katie's mom in a wheelchair. Everybody's super shitty to her. Why did you let this happen? Like, because her daughter threw a birthday present gun at her and severed her spine. So she's, she's shitty. Like, it's a choice that she made. To be paralyzed, everybody just treats her like a like a fucking like an incontinent dog that they're too cowardly to have put down. And there's a completely unnecessary subplot where now the 
first man accused of being a child molester, the detective. Yeah. This entire subplot involving the detectives trying to figure out where the gun came from that Katie shot her with. Like, oh, that, yeah. That there's a whole subplot there that's maybe five or six scenes. And they just drop that, it. Yeah, that's just drop. Literally has nothing. You could cut it completely and it wouldn't affect the movie. Nope. Nope. Like, not, wouldn't not change even, a thing. Not even one bit. You can nope. just take it. Not just snip, gone. There's, you your, can, there's your 10 minutes of your yeah. 20 minutes you could just get rid of. You can take 100% of it out. Uh, so this is the girl, by the way, Katie, is Reagan from The Exorcist, but calling people pedophiles more and <laughs> insisting that some dude bang her mom to make her a sibling. Yes. And uh, the worst language she uses is bastard. Yeah. She says bastard like like 15 times, 20 yeah, times. That might, be, that, might, that might be a little conservative with the bastards. Boy, she's throwing it out there a lot. It's like the one lit word her parent, like, we won't let Katie cuss. Yeah. But we'll let her say bastard for this yeah. movie. The Just whole, for this. The whole like, movie. But that's the only word. That's it. It's like, oh, And then Michael Paradise is saying, hey. Can we get her to say the F word? Can I just give just you like the Exorcist? Can I just give you LSD instead of yes. money? I saw this movie called The Exorcist. Right? It's like, no shit. <laughs> All right. So there are some good ideas and callbacks in this, but it, there, there's entirely too much going on. There's a like like a Freddy Krueger Close Encounters <laughs> bit, Sorry. and it might be one of the most like deliberately obvious. Fucking okay, I get it. Things that I've ever seen in a movie to this date. Like, hey, you seen these movies? <laughs> remember that? <laughs> you remember Close Encounters? Here it is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Remember The Exorcist? Remember, remember that one time you watched that movie back in the 90s? Or 80s or <laughs> 70s or... Uh, whatever, whatever popular genre of movie it was. It was just... It, this is... A constant ripoff of so many other things. Have you seen the birds? Right. This is that, except they're only falcons, which are birds We have like five birds in this movie. Like, but they're trying desperately and really firmly to make it a thing that's canon. And it doesn't, it's not has to do with anything in the, in the rest of the, they're really strange choices for somebody who goes, you know what I want? I want to tell a story. Then you should learn yep. how that works. It's first. like he has five or ten different scripts laying around that are all partially written. Yep, just shuffle <laughs> them like a deck like, of cards. Fuck it. Just shuffle just them shuffle like a deck of cards. That's why there's so just many callbacks. Him up and he's just like, hey, man. We got it, it baby. Go through, change the name to Katie. Good. That's great. All right. We're good. Let's go make this movie. So there are some pretty sick Tron effects. <laughs> <laughs> While we're on the subject of it just being other scripts shuffled together. Uh, old guy tells Barbara she's pregnant and kazow she is. And then the child, she'll never see the light of day. So there's going to be like a space abortion. It, she's wheeling around the room like cray cray. In yeah, like there's a like weird, a- <laughs> and like a weird frantic way for like two and a half minutes. It's like two to three, maybe even four minutes of her just making circles in the living room. In a wheelchair. And the housekeeper like, is like watching this shit happen. And she's like, mm, which is Shelly Winters, who's actually like a great actress. I was like, what the hell are you in this movie? <laughs> 
fucking so crazy. So she spins around a shitload, then just jets out the door, which is left open. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's as if she's a woman that's never reacted to a situation ever yeah. before in her life. It's, she's acting like a woman who has maybe never been pregnant and had a child. <laughs> or she's acting like, like, like a... She just runs in circles, but in a wheelchair. And then yeah. for two minutes, I... Do you know how fucking long two minutes is to it, run in a circle? Get the yeah. fuck out of here. And you're not really getting anything else while she's going in circles. No. We're getting just her going in no, circles. No, it is just her going in circles and the maid glaring down at her, at her yeah, from yeah. the top stairs. And then like, when she leaves, we get uh, like a couple moments almost like where, you know, I was telling Danny during the movie, it's almost like the direct, you know, she asks like, what do you want me to do at the end of the scene? He's like, I just want you to sing. What What song was it? Swing low, sweet cherry. Oh my god! Yeah, something. yeah. No, she just uh, mama's little baby loves shortening, shortening. <laughs> mama's little baby loves shortening. And she just friend. like she drops like two or three verses and just walks walks off into a room. And you're like, I have no idea why this is in this movie. There's another scene where like the the okay the, the bald space Jesus people. Uh, one of them, only one of them in the entire movie, just like didn't shave his head for three weeks. <laughs> So he's like real peach fuzzy, you know what I mean? <laughs> but everybody, like every single other person that shaves their head in that movie for the Space Jesus cult, s- uh, bicked. I like your idea, though, because they don't establish this, but Danny suggested that all the older Space Jesuses were the children of Space Jesus in space. Yeah, that's for sure. And I'm right. like, that's a pretty good... Because they're all in jumpsuits and yeah, they're all man. still bald. Because what do you wear when you're not wearing your weird like monk get-up? I like wear, they're using, I like, wear your, a tracksuit. Track or as yeah. they call it down under, a you're, tracky deck. You're wearing a tracksuit and you're bald, Danny. You're really starting to... Start, <laughs> this is a holy fuck. When did I <laughs> yeah, put this tracksuit on? He's really starting to change my opinion that he might be a Space Jesus disciple. The way that it shows the little girl is telekinetic. I mean... Some of the like, some of the way that it, they try to put it out there are decent ideas, but it's just really poor execution. They're all really bizarre examples of telekinesis. And in order to try to combat that, it's just more of that same funk music. And then I don't really know what that theme is supposed to be. Like every time I watch that movie, it feels like they don't know where to put it. Yeah, <laughs> it's like the moments where it drops, you're just like. Why? Yeah. Why are we doing that? And as soon as you feel like you finally got a grasp on what might be going on with the with the plot of the movie, Falcon Attack, Handy Capable Edition. So Falcon comes out of nowhere and attacks the lady in a wheelchair, and it's... The mom. It's, again, really long scene. Really, Why? really long scene. Does it make a lick, like, you know, as you're trying to explain, like, yeah. a scene where... A bird's attacking a woman in a wheelchair. Just going to And, you know, you're like, okay, like, we're going to shoot it. this. Maybe we need a bird that can do this stuff. It's indoors. It's but not yeah. like it's attacking you yeah. from 100 yards Instead, away. Instead, we get the bird, like, perched, flopping its wings, and then shots of her reacting to a bird attacking her face. Yeah, throw a but face But it might not it. be a real bird. It's hard to kind of tell. But then cut back to close-ups of the bird, and then back to the bird flap. And it's just this cycle of shots that don't feel like they make sense together. Right. But we're just supposed to be like, okay, I guess this bird's attacking her. But yeah, she runs to a closet to get away. Because the, these hawk attacks, they're they're on the day for when they shot this. They are super violent. And then they just kind of stop. 
Yeah, I mean, what good Italian movie does not have bona fide um, eye trauma? Stoppage? Like, the eye trauma, like, the the hawk. There's multiple people whose eyes yeah. get, like, completely plucked out yeah. by the hawk. And of course, then, it's very poorly done, but that's that's, did you yep, know that's what they're trying for. That her eye is fine for the rest of the movie. Oh, for sure, yeah. Um, yeah, it's fine. <laughs> it's, it's very bizarre. The the hawk scenes are they're super violent and they just they just but like the hawk just goes away and then they act like it never happened. Yeah, unless um, of course you are in a massive multi car pileup, or unless you go up. into a different room, in which case the hawk is going to try to open the door. Yeah, uh, yeah, for sure. Like I don't know how a hawk. I've never seen one open a door, but this one's hell bent on well, it. Well, thank God. Thank you, Lucky Stars, when you lay your head down tonight, that hawks only weigh as much as they weigh because they're not heavy enough to open doors of that style. <laughs> but yeah, then for some reason, the door, you get a really random jump scare that makes, there's no build up to it whatsoever. The door no. just pops open. And there's yeah. Shelly Winters, and she's holding it's the hawk, the and she says, yeah, yeah she says, this won't be a problem anymore. How on the menu tonight? Yeah, and so you're you're I supposed to be like, oh, awesome. I guess she's gonna save the day. But bam, literally out of nowhere, no explanations. Katie, yep. standing behind wheelchair mom, be awesome. Grabs that chair, takes off, running batshit nuts straight yeah. down the hall. You could have been a, you could have been a fucking like, just put as dumb as this fucking whole movie is. You could just put slapstick in there. Oh, for easy. sure, like, yeah. Would have made way more sense. I only know my way around two things, hawks and cocks. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah, you yeah, could yeah. put anything in yeah, there. Yeah, even if there was like, such a humor, you would have, maybe the movie would be yeah. better, but there, there's literally no humor in it at all. You like, could have even been like, I don't like space Jesus. There you go. Would have been a better better opening line, but she's just like, you all right, ma'am? I don't remember exactly what she says, but I do know it's not entertaining. But again, just to reiterate, a lot of this camera work is pretty cool. There's there's some good. It's got some really good, yeah. like kind of artsy moments in it where I'm like, well, that's that's it's interesting choices that were made. You know, like you knew how to show showed me a cool thing. You know how to show me a cool still image, but pasting it into a. Like, yeah, like editing it to where it made sense is not their strong point. Like they, you know, like whoever shot it didn't necessarily do a bad job, but right. the way it's cut is just terrible. Like well, the, it's not like, a well edited movie. There's a lot of things that are great shots that should be zoomed in on just a bit. And then it, it, and they're just left too wide. And then there are some things that are tightened in on a little bit that they should just there's also just take really bizarre inconsistencies with Kate, you know, like there's a lot of prism sort of effects where you're looking at stuff has like a diamond shine yeah. on it. They're clearly trying to tell you something with it. It's LSD. Because like you got to like work to do. You know, that's like oh, yeah. that's a choice you make when you're making a movie. Like not to get super techy, but when you make that choice, you're saying like we're going to shoot this. You know, we're going to put a filter on the camera that makes it have a prism. That's a choice you're making. Yeah. <laughs> so like to be like, oh yeah, we're going to do that. You know, for like maybe twenty shots, <laughs> like it doesn't really have any like factor on anything. We just think it's cool. Yeah, couple of moments with uh, like Katie on her eyes where they have like some kind of eye light they're hitting her with. It's really yeah. big and kind of looks silvery. like yeah. And you're like, oh, she has like almost like a Blade Runner thing happening with her eyes. Where you're like, like man, I'll, for a lot of this, I was like Blade Runner. Yeah, although Blade it come Runner. out like three years before Blade that. Runner. 
Tron, yeah, Blade Runner. But this came Tron. out before Tron and before Blade Runner. No shit, it came really? out before The Exorcist, but not. no, it did not. That's for that's for sure. Yeah, because he was like on LSD. He's definitely going, hey, like. Listen, you guys ever seen The Exorcist? Well, The Omen had come out. The Exorcist had come out. Rosemary's Baby come out. Someone goes, "This, this, uh, I'll write you a check if you make an Evil Kid movie, right?" <laughs> so. And I mean, and that was that was the choice, like you know. And summarizing, getting to the, we're getting closing in on the end here. But you know, when Danny said, oh, uh, you know, hey, let's pick these two movies that you know connected ideally by something, whether it's same yeah. actor, you know, themes that are similar. Yeah. And I thought to myself, yeah, I want to do the visitor because it's a wild ass movie. It's just bizarre, like super bonkers. And there is a nutshell kernel of a good movie, several good movies, maybe yeah. if they kind of had just figured out what the hell they wanted to do with it. Right. But. I said, you know, I want to do an Evil Kid double feature. Let's do, you know, The Visitor was the obvious one. But then oh, I'm like, yeah. this movie's trying to be like six different yeah. movies that yeah. were happening at the time. And that's fine. Those are yeah. those are some of the best movies that, but that not lend together. their self to commentary. <laughs> but, but but not they, they all, the five or six of the best movies at that time are not good blended together. <laughs> but so, I, you know, I got thinking, I'm like, well, we could do the obvious ones. We could do The Exorcist. We could do The Omen. We could do Rosemary's Baby. Yeah. I mean, those are the classic evil kid movies. There's been a few more modern ones. But I thought, you know, like, let's do some little offbeat, a little weird. Let's do Devil's Backbone. Because I feel yeah. like, you know, you have like what's supposed to be an evil kid, which is Santi. And they kind of flip that on its head about halfway through. You realize he's not really up to, like, bad shit. Like you kind of no. think he might be. He just wants to kill the guy that killed him. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, like, and then you got yeah. this other movie where you get a girl that just wants to kill everybody for whatever the hell reason she wants no to. Yeah, just because she's because naturally... her mom's in a wheelchair. What a dumb <laughs> yeah. bitch. So you get a Ninja Turtle skyline, but it's like a cardboard cutout. And then you've got recycled old man footage on disco runway. The in the movie, oh, like uh, the... <laughs> this movie's weird. Like I said, it's almost like all on favors. You have, like, dudes, like, the old man, the visitor in this movie is John Huston, who, you know, legendary director, was a World War II propaganda filmmaker. Yeah. Uh, had made the Maltese Falcon. You know, Stu was, like, a legend of his craft. This was news to me, but the, yeah. the Maltese Falcon is, um, that's good salient storytelling. Yeah, for sure. And, then, like, if and you've, you've heard of, of it and you've work, never yeah. seen it, go watch it. Yeah, it's old. But get over it. Come on, man. Like, you know, it still holds up. There's some yeah. movies that just hold up yeah what? and that's definitely one of them but yeah for some reason so john houston's in this movie can't imagine they gave him a script even yeah. though he's in damn near every frame of it and yeah, uh, so, so the weird. whole time he's making these really bizarre ass like chimpanzee faces that was the best thing i could <laughs> yeah. describe his eyes are bulging out of his head he's like there's not a word of dialogue but he looks like he's tripping balls he's making real weird like long extended <laughs> lips yeah. like kind of it's it, it's it's like they get some of the most bizarre like crazy ass like visual effects background i've ever like i haven't seen anything it was real ballsy for them to go that hard, that far, that long ago. It was like they're really confident. Like this looks great. Yeah, it's it's fucking two thousand seven copy of iMovie would blow this out of the water. Yeah, it's it's wild the way they put it together. <laughs> and then like the next thing you've got is like Monster Katie choking her mom and dragging her up a flight of stairs by the yeah, hair yep, because yep. she can't walk. I guess. Well, we kind of also skipped over that when Katie appears behind after the the uh, housekeeper kills the the Falcon. And Katie pops up behind mom and just barrels off with her. You can't forget about the housekeeper killing yeah, the Yeah, so after that moment, Katie fucking barrels head, like, just headlong right into a gigantic aquarium. 
Oh, like yeah. just shoves the mom right through it, giant plate glass, bus, water going everywhere. And it's really horribly done, but all the same, like it's it's meant to happen. Like Yeah. And we're left for a really long time not really knowing what happened there. I kinda liked all right, I'm not gonna lie, when she's like uh Katie's got the the wheelchair handles and she's getting getting ready to ram her into that fish tank. Mm-hmm. I kinda like the way they like panned in, panned out, panned in, panned out. But it just, it was too long. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's yeah, too yeah, long, yeah, yeah. It's too it's long like, to show someone ramming another person into a thing. It just... Uh, it's, and, it's I mean, there's a lot long. of that in this movie where it's like, what should be one or two shots? I mean, because the movie is like an hour and 40-something minutes. It's fucking crazy. So, like, you know, like, you could cut some of this shit down on it, really. Like, we're some talking like shit. You're talking like some of these shots are repeated or just like some these of scenes. this shit, ladies and gentlemen. Yes, you heard it here first. Just a, just a little bit of this shit. Like Danny's saying, like some of these, like a shot of her being wheeled into the the aquarium, which could be effective in like two or three shots that were just a tad longer. Yeah. Instead, we get 15 cuts of the same shot. Yeah. Broke up and then back and forth, back and forth, back until she goes through it. Yeah. Yeah. It's just like it could have been done well, but it's just like you, I don't know who, like, why you would make that choice. Uh, right. Uh, this is like this is new heights in poor composure as far as movies that I've seen for this show. Mostly I'm referencing the scene where they've got like static positioned birds that overlay a storm at like on a um on a like on a projector screen, that clear printer paper. Yeah, yeah. So they're just like waving it back and forth in front of a like a still print of a, a storm. <laughs> yeah. The next thing that happens is you you cue a flock of pigeons and doves. That have nothing to do with the rest of the movie at yeah, all. And so Katie's, you know, first off, Katie's mom survives the aquarium incident. Yeah. Not only does she survive, but she has uh, one band aid. She has a single band aid on her chin, <laughs> like down on down on the bottom. Yep. yep. And nothing else wrong with her. But yep. yeah. So and then and then she gets attacked by pigeons, doves, and wooden birds that are just yeah, like yeah. on a stick. So- so yeah, uh, Lance Henriksen, her love interest in this movie, reveals his true self, and he's yeah. like, he's totally down with like Katie killing her because he's mad at everybody. He's way down with it. He's just so cool. He's like, I'm gonna sit back, watch her drag her up these stairs, even though whip her ass. Even though the premise for the whole movie was for him to make a baby with her, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But he just, to make Katie, his, yeah, he's like, he's, he's real like, yeah, it's fine, it's fine, I'm out. He's really mad about it. He's like, uh, <laughs> exactly, like, I'm out. Yeah, Katie killer ass. <laughs> Yeah, see, so he just kind of hangs out in, in the wings watching this happen. Yeah. He's and Katie's dragging up the stairs, like Danny was saying, just like straight up. We had her by the legs going up the stairs. Just, she's what, dragging 12, her by the hair. She's just like, to be, ah! supposed to be like an eight year old girl dragging her mom. <laughs> just a grown adult, like a 130 never, pound grown woman. Yeah, never once were they like, you know, Katie strong as shit. <laughs> like this. No, no. There's nothing no. to prepare you for that. But yeah, as Danny no, said, it's then. it's crazy. And then, then they have wooden, wooden birds. Yeah, like I guess John Houston's monkey dance on the disco roof summons. All That's these, right, like, ladies and gentlemen. This is a real movie that got made. John Houston's Monkey Dance on the Roof. We're talking about a real thing that happened, followed by wooden prop birds. Yes. Yeah. 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 It's fucking so, insane. So the he summons through like the stars and the, the weird magic shit he does while he's doing his monkey dance. All these, I guess they turn into pigeons. I don't really understand like pigeons, doves, like a little bit of variation of a well, few they, birds. And so they attack the hog. Is that what that's supposed to be? I thought they were just yeah. saying the whole time, like, hey, pigeons I and think, doves, yeah, right? Yeah, I think so. And, but I think at the beginning, if I recall, there's a story, the story of, like, Satine being a, a hawk 
they're supposed to be like you know and then the rival turn into a dove or a pigeon i don't like danny said then like you have all this like swarm of birds they have all these shots of the birds floating and attacking you know lance Henriksen and attacking katie and mauling her to shit but then like i guess they couldn't really afford like a hero bird so there's this random like it's like a wooden carved bird on a stick <laughs> on a stick and it's black and i mean i swear to you now that go watch this movie and, you know, it's actually on YouTube for free, I found out today. Oh, but, nice. you know, and I don't encourage that. So, nah. but, you know, but, you know, like you, sometimes you got to make do. Yeah. So if you just want to scrub to the very end of the movie and you want to watch this moment, just to know that, like, hey, man, he did not lie about this. The bird is a carved wooden bird on a stick. And to get the shot that they want of it, they're just twirling the stick and, like, swinging the stick. And then they have the projected background with all the other birds. Yeah. It's and it is just, like, they don't even try to make it fly. No, it's yeah. fucking super bizarre. So um, then it flies over to Lance Hendricks and gets up right up on his neck. Yeah. And then shoots, like, I don't know, like a dart out of its mouth into his neck. I don't know, yeah, like an arrow. It, like, like, it, like, it's, like it's Pinocchio, but its beak gets longer. Yeah, into, yeah, yeah. Into a murder <laughs> yeah, weapon. But yeah. it doesn't have to tell a lie. Yeah, and, and it kills Lance. Jesus. Um, so, remember from the beginning of the movie, we were talking about that boardroom? That boardroom, that famous boardroom scene that's, yep. that's 10 seconds long in the wash that is all this bullshit. Uh, we go back there at the very end, but the butler is just like, Whoa, oh, hey, rich guy. Yeah, the same guy who we get a and, random close-up of. Yeah, we and they're get another all random close-up. super random close-up. Like, the most high-definition shot in the entire film is just of this dude's pores on his cheeks. Uh, and he kind of, like, almost like you would give a thumbs up if you could see his whole body. Yeah. You know, like it was, but it's just his head. Like you have just the head, but you have the motion of a thumbs up. Like, yeah. yeah so, like, good yeah. job. Yeah. He's doing and, that Zach Galifianakis, the, 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 the yeah. gif that everybody uses. Yeah. Where yeah. Like, and then, you know, everyone's been packed to death. Like, they're not just dead. Like, yeah. They're packed to death. They're packed to death. And you know who loves it? Space Jesus. But Space maybe Jesus. not. Cause Can't it, condone murder. Well, now there's an old man who has a new bald youngster with him, and it's Katie's reincarnated soul, and Space Jesus is or isn't thrilled about it. He got the evil out of her, he says. And then roll funky score, and thank God, hear the credits. There it was. That was it. What a fucking strange thing to make. Like, if you were going to make a thing. I promised you it wasn't a normal bad movie. It was. No. It, it's a bizarre movie. Like it's, it's unusual. I can imagine if this got a theatrical U.S. release at the time, I would have been like, let's go see that shit. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I mean, I'll tell it's you like, what, the worst part about the movie Hope Floats is that there's no robots or aliens in it. Well, you're right about the... Do you know what I'm saying? I don't like, even know what, like... Why does hope floats? I don't know. I if I'm being completely honest, I've never seen it. I, but take a movie like that that you know exists, and just fucking force feed me aliens and like throughout, and I'll watch it and be like, yeah, it sucked or whatever. But at least I went and saw it. It, you know what I'm saying? Well, I mean, it's like it's you can do something. If I want to watch a movie about what people go through in real life every day, I'll watch a documentary. If yeah. I want to watch, you know, like, I get enough By of By the way, there is a documentary called No One Saw a Thing about Skidmore, Missouri. Uh, it is northwest of here. Uh, by by quite a bit. It's not around here anywhere uh, near. Uh, Alicia and I checked it out a couple of days ago. It's about a guy that got murdered in the middle of a town of 400 people in broad daylight. 
supposedly by like half the town's adults. That they just it's all like a straight up Freddy Krueger scenario. They just swarmed him in the middle of town. Like and Freddy Krueger is like the whole town's just like we're gonna kill Freddy Krueger and gunned him down right yeah, then and there. And wild. now, now the population is half of what it was, and the, the place is like a real well, shithole. Yeah, I mean, I would move too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like yeah. a it's, public it's, display of murder. It's a fucking cool documentary though. Also because it's it like out. you know it's two hours away from here. That's kind of yeah. Cool. I'll have to check that out. Yeah, yeah it's pretty neat. Uh, no one saw a thing. That's uh, on Amazon. Why'd you why'd you pick this? So <laughs> I mean it's real easy to pick some trash. Like I like it a, I like some trash. I it like is. you know, yeah, I like a good yeah, piece yeah, of trash. Like if like it's a, ever you know, if it's ever been on MST three K, I'm I'm yeah. down down with that shit. Like, you know, I you know, I'm of the caliber that I think a bad movie should still be entertaining. Like yeah. I think that, you know, well, if like if the filmmakers that's... aren't trying to make something like you know, like their heart's not in it. They're not trying to entertain their audience, even if they fail miserably or the movie's co- totally off track from what right. it needs to be. Right. You know, as long as the intention was there to do something great. What, uh, so, so tell me, have you, um, before we're reaching into the show, um, I want to let you plug all the shit you want to plug. But <laughs> first, before we do that, do, do, like, what have, um, what, what have you been consuming lately? Like, what's like a good show or a great movie you just watched or, uh, like a, a book or a series that you're into? Uh, so a couple of things, you know, like there's a, there's a couple of things I've been, um, checking out lately. I've been reading a book called, uh, Killers of the Flower Moon, which is about the discovery of the FBI. Okay. What you want, the founding of cool. the FBI because of a lot of indigenous women murders. It's supposed to be developed into a movie right now, but uh, it's it's a very procedural book, kind of hard to follow. Some yeah, I like I like, it's just I like, like a, you know, I like you, a procedural. Yeah, you can, it comes and goes. It's it's written mostly from like a more like literary sort academic. Of yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's know, not bad. Actually, it's a it's a bizarre thing. As somebody who really really gets engrossed and loves a good story. I usually prefer my my reading material to be more on the academic side. Yeah, it's strange because that's that's I read a lot of if it's not like comics or something like that, like then one of readings typically nonfiction. Yeah, which is so if, weird. For if me. my if my reading is generally going to be fiction, I like it to be short. Mm-hmm. Uh, th- that being said, there are some longer works of fiction that I really enjoy a lot. Yeah. But usually, if I want something that's just a fabricated story i want it to be something i can consume in a day or three yeah for sure yeah and i agree and that's kind of what's been very slow about uh killers of the flower moon is that it's pretty dense book what uh what else were you did you say you were so i've also been reading a lot of uh there's a japanese manga artist like i'm not a super big you know i'm not super into uh that kind of format but okay uh, but uh, this guy's name's junji ito he's a pretty popular guy uh, but he's famous for doing these comic books uh, that are horror, that are completely insane. Like, the concepts, they're all existential. Like, What are they? Can you, know, you, can um, you drop a couple names? Yeah, yeah. There's one called Hanging Balloons. And it's, you know, they're really short and super, super, like I said, existential. But like that, like he uses a lot of like weird farcical ideas. But oh, man, I'd love to see Like that. he presents them in like such like, bizarre, it's always bizarre. Like, uh. In the hanging balloons, basically, this small town all of a sudden has all these balloons appear. They're like hot air balloons. Okay. But they're all the people's heads. Oh, Jesus Christ. But every head is a person in that town that matches the person in the town identically. Oh, well, that's fucked up. And at the bottom of what would be their basket, instead of a basket, is a noose. 
and they float around the town until they finally Pick catch the, the person, person who looks like them. Jesus, that's and they're up. not occupied at all with anyone else. That's like you're like... constantly being chased by your own floating head. It's very you know I discovered because I'm working on a project right now that mm-hmm. kind of has a lot of existential like uh, cause in it. Okay, and that's where you know it's a horror project that tends to be a majority of everything I do. That's all I've got for this man. I, I don't have anything else for it. Um... It was not a good, coherent film. But again, that being said, I had a blast fucking watching this and and ripping it to shreds because it is so fucking stupid. Yes. Uh, and by stupid, I, you know, again, it's there's some promising points to it. The the there's some promising points to it. The the cinematography, especially, struck me as uh, as very like elevated. Uh, somebody who wanted to capture the right things. The fact that it got approved is on someone else entirely. But I don't have much else to go off of it. Uh, I know that you've got some stuff to plug, which I would absolutely love uh, to yeah, love mean, to hear about. We finished shooting a... Uh, we wrapped up a short film we've been working on for the last yeah. year called What Happened to the Others. And uh, Danny actually got to look at it early. I, d- I did get a little. Yeah. I did. I did get a little sneak peek at this. So right now we're just kind of submitting it around to different festivals. Like usually it takes a few, you know, weeks, months to hear back from some of mm-hmm. them. Just waiting for that first one to hit. We're kind of really rolling out. Like with short films, is super weird because there's not really a place to put them when it's done. You know, it doesn't really do you a whole lot of good to put them on the internet. Yeah, always because sometimes it just goes out there and then. You just spend the rest of your time telling everyone to watch it, and they would rather be watching stuff on their phone. Have you ever, have, have you guys ever considered like doing a whole anthology type of deal, or yeah, just I've production? Just production on one thing takes so long that that would be a wash. It depends. Now we've thought about it, but it's really like where we're we're moving our process to. It takes a lot longer. Well, like, yeah, you know, this is one of the this is actually the first thing in almost a, a decade of doing this stuff. That I haven't shot myself. I brought in a different director of photography. No shit. And yeah, his name's Austin Sarver. He's an awesome guy. And so Austin, you know, like he, I, I chose someone that you know I, I could tell we had a lot of things in common. Like we liked a lot of the same stuff. But more mm-hmm. importantly, when I looked at Austin's work, I saw what I like about my own. Like you know, not what I like about my own, but like what I'm after in things, my own yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah. exactly. It's so like this person shoots like I do. You know, he likes, right. he lights the way I do. He likes, we're, we're after you know, but yet, same, yeah, yet he also products. has his own take on it. So like, you know, it's not going to be like my show. It's going to be Austin coming and saying like, what do you think about this? What do you think about that? Like, right. how about we try it like this? What do you think about this lens? That's cool. That's and a, you know, and cool, it's, it's cool, super great. And yeah. working with him was just a dream. It was fantastic. And you know, this is one of those things where we, uh, we had like 30 people working on it, 35 people all together working on the film. And not to bore people to death, so I'm going to try and get past that. But it's I definitely... I don't know. You're fine. You're... you're hey, t- it's definitely... T- talking, um, talking shop about your craft, man, it gets it gets exciting. Yeah. I get but it. it's definitely, you know, it's the thing that we, you know, we really worked on. And, you know, we have a couple... We have two or three projects that are short form that we're working on right now. I actually just was talking to Danny about one off mic earlier. We also, you know, have, you know... <sighs> It's so cliched. You know, I'm working on feature ideas, but we have a few in the bag. Should someone say, "Hey, good," you man, know, like I'm we excited. we have we have a few million dollars, and we feel like maybe potentially losing that. <laughs> so yeah. we're gonna bet on you, random person, this summer. Yeah. Well, this is um, this has been a lot of fun, man. I, I uh, this has been a ton of fun. I've enjoyed this immensely. 
So anybody out there that does come across this, where can they check out the stuff that you're working on? Instagram's definitely like my number one vehicle right now for keeping tabs on what I'm working on. Okay. It goes through phases of whatever I feel like photographing, but generally I'll post news about, you know, our films and stuff. So you could follow me at, at Douglas Wicker. You know, if, you, if Danny follows me, so if you can't find that, or you know, etc. Yeah, you can follow us. Just two movies, um, and and Douglas Wicker is on our on our fucking shit. But yeah, so uh, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. Um, don't expect much from YouTube, but it's there. No shit, you're on you're on the you're on the YouTubes. I haven't yeah, made, I haven't made like, the plunge yet. I just drop stuff on there that you know has been around for a minute. I will. Would you watch this if it was on YouTube? We've been doing this whole thing naked and very oiled. So if that's something that you want to watch, seems weird. It's just kind of how we conduct business here in Bonterre, Missouri. But uh, if that's your thing, uh, I would do a YouTube. Can you pay me for a YouTube? I don't know how the internet works. That's my gimmick. Make sure you check out It's Just Two Movies. Make sure you rate and review. Share with your friends. What a cheap, cheap shot. Hey, it's cheap, but it's not you saying it. Listen, I'm here again asking you for your support to just fucking do whatever you want. You're a grown (laughs) adult. But uh, this has been a lot of fun. I hope you join us next week. I hope Birdman Birdman makes it out of the uh, hedge maze that he's in. And uh, Space Jesus loves you. You guys aren't going to start sucking each other's dicks, are you? Let's go, let's go, let's go. We're a one-eyed Batman. Can I make a suggestion that doesn't involve violence? Or is this the wrong crowd? Maybe we should call in a bomb threat to Houston. I think it's free beer night at the Astrodome. The Jedi. Bob, we don't fight with guns. We fight with the mind. Cousin business is a boomer. That is one big pile of shit. Jail gone. It's Just Two Movies is a production of Blue Cheese and Bacon Studios and can be found wherever you get your podcasts.